Welcome to yet another episode. It's the one number seven. We're three away from double digits. And we are 93 away from triple digits. <laughs> uh, I can't wait till this hits 100, which will be... When do we start this? Is this in... Um, this is well, first well, week of September. What was seven weeks ago? Almost, almost end of, end of July we started this. Mm-hmm. So next July, and the next July will be at fifty-two episodes, and then the year after that, twenty twenty-one will be at a hundred. Wow, that's a lot. And then in twenty years, we'll be at one thousand episodes. <laughs> <laughs> See, twenty years, you'll be what thirty-nine. Yep. Dang. I wonder if we'll make it that long. I wonder if we'll be alive by then. <laughs> so for some reason, I have this. This feeling, I don't know why. Don't ask me why, because I don't know why. I have this feeling that I won't live past 50. What? <laughs> I don't know. And I'm not like expecting to die or anything like anytime soon. But maybe I just can't fathom being older than 50. <laughs> I don't know. It's a, it's a weird. I know it's weird. Okay. I know. Um, so I have a new segment for the show. My favorite murder they call Corrections Corner. I was thinking of calling it Shining the Grime. Or no, how, what, was I, what was I thinking? Grime Shine. Ooh, okay, yeah, I like that. So it's, you know, we've got to clean up the mess we made the week before. Mm-hmm. And I got a lot of hatred and um, flack for my comments last week. <laughs> and let me say that I was being, uh, I was using a little more nuanced language than normal. So I stand by what I believe about college but it's a lot more nuanced so i don't in any circumstance think college is worthless i think it's worth something in any circumstance i just don't think it's wise to go if you don't have any plans to do anything with your degree yeah so and i so i also someone told me that was privilege and i to say what i said I'm not totally with that yet. I think it's more privilege to go to college if you are going for no reason mm-hmm. because that means you have the means to throw away what you've worked for while others don't. So I do think we should celebrate <laughs> all the graduations. I'm just saying that their celebrations are more closely related to high school celebrations, you know. So forgive me for <laughs> acting a fool. Do you have any ground to shine? So you're the wiser one because you're more quiet than I am. You're slower to speak. <laughs> I well, I try to before I speak. I try to kind of like think about all right, how are people going to react? That's what uh, maybe I should change it. That's up a what a mature bit. person should do. <laughs> <laughs> and when it comes to podcasting, I'm just a child. So that's the you know that's a new segment, the grime shine. We call it grime shine or shine the grime. I like grime shine. Grime shine. So uh, other than that, I mean. I still hold, I'm not going to apologize for my comments on Android users. You should still <laughs> leave if you're not an iPhone user, but that's okay. Okay, so last week we, let's go with this topic first. We were talking about happiness. Actually, we talked about how we forgot to talk about happiness. Yes. But we would do it this week. But first, Trent, how was your week? Pretty good. Um, I'm getting a four-day weekend. Oh. Yeah, because of Labor Day. And then also, I just don't have class on Fridays. Okay, nice. So you worked out all this weekend? Uh Saturday, yeah. Yeah, yeah. How's 
so this is your you're going into your second week of, third week of college yeah uh third yeah because last week was our first week last monday was no, ours. I, you started on the 12th i'm going yeah the third week or fourth week third this is your third week what do you think so far is my point <laughs> oh i just finished my third week you did i th- wait hold on hang on let me pull up a calendar <laughs> <laughs> Millennials, uh, you just finished. You started the twelfth, right? Yeah. One, two. You just finished your third week. You're right. Fourth week is cool. What do you think so far? Um, pretty good. I'm actually really enjoying my major classes. Yeah. So like my criminal justice classes. Um, I've already kind of set where I want to be as of right now. Obviously, could change, but I. Want to? I already know what I want to go into. Yeah. As of now, because I was kind of debating between probation corrections. I think I'm fully set right now on probation. Nice. And you, you figured out you needed some uh, additional, or not an additional, but you needed bachelor's to get that degree. Yeah. Well, oh, I guess that could have been my grime shine because. Oh, there you go. I didn't talk about that last week. Um, so yeah, at least in California, you need at least a bachelor's degree to go into probation. Yeah. Whether it's in, I think it's like, it can be in psychology, criminal justice, and like another one, I forgot what it is. It might be like soci- sociology. Oh, okay. Um, you don't need all those, you just need one of those, right? Yeah, yeah at least one of them. Yeah. Yep. Oh, crime shine. Um, yeah, my week's, my week's been pretty good. Harvest is rolling along. So dusty, man. <laughs> so dusty. Like, my shoes turn a different color. My boots turn a different color every day. Well, they're the same color every day, but it's because, <laughs> you know, you, you take an air compressor to them and they just, they're just a totally different color. <laughs> it's crazy. But yeah, it's been cooling down. That's good. I started school. Oh, I had last Monday was my first class. I have three classes. Only one of them is actually in class. And it's every Monday and it's from 6 to 840. Oh, because it's only one one time one time a week. Is it just like a lecture? Yeah, mm. but this guy's he's, he's fun. You know, it's not like super boring and droning on. Oh, that's good. So he's he's a lot of fun. But you know, so if if you do it three times a week, it's fifty minutes. Twice a week is an hour and fifteen minutes, and then once a week is like th- almost three hours. What uh, what class is that for? Frontiers in biology. So I was super nervous because biology can can be really boring. Yeah. But this guy's pretty cool. So he talked about how, and I've always told Christina this, and she never believes me, and she still doesn't believe me, and that's okay. She doesn't want to believe is what she what's really <laughs> happening. He's like he opened he opened with, what are some common um, um, uh, remedies to the common cold? People were saying, oh, emergency, getting more sleep, using a a, a neti, I think they call it, you know the the thing that a uh, neti pot. What oh, is it a, it like a humidifier? Yeah, humidifier. Uh, taking a warm shower or cold shower, some people said. Um, drinking tea. I said hot toddy. You know what a hot toddy is? Mm-mm. It's tea, honey, um, lemon, and whiskey. It really just gets <laughs> you a little buzz, so you, <laughs> you, don't feel, you don't feel the effects. But he said, okay, all of those are absolutely false. None of those will cure the common, or nothing cures the common cold, but none of them will help at all. And so he said a common one is people take emergency to 
um, get over their cold. And he said, None, it's proven that that doesn't work at all. It works as a placebo. So people think, so like if you're, if you give someone, if someone believes that they're, if someone believes that vitamin C, um, helps their symptoms and they truly believe that and they're convinced that it does, you can give them a drink, um, that you say has vitamin C and their, their symptoms will actually be a little relieved because it's a placebo. But he said, you can give someone the, the 5,000 times the daily recommended value and it still won't help. Which is crazy because I've always believed it did. Yeah. So it, it does help in that it's a placebo, but it doesn't like actually help. Does it help before? Like if you no, uh, that's what I asked too. Because that's what I've heard too. You know, it's, it's like, like kind of help uh, prevent it, right? And so he went to that too. He said the only thing that we know prevents getting a cold is washing your hands with soapy water, not not um, uh, not antibacterial. Um, not a hand sanitizer. He mm. said hand sanitizer works, but it makes the common cold stronger. Yeah. Freak is going on. Okay. <laughs> Damn, these cords are long. I just saw a Taco Bell rapper, and I want to talk about now. Um, so he said, "Yeah, that's that's only. There's no cure. That's only prevention. Is washing hands with um, just soap. Isn't that crazy?" Hmm. And he said too. He's like, if he's like, who takes supplements like protein shakes and stuff like that? And everyone raised their hand. He's like, I don't care what supplement it is, they're all bad for you, and you are killing yourselves. Wow, really? Like, what? So I'm gonna press him on that one some. Yeah. And I think I think he was being a little sarcastic when he said you're killing yourselves, but yeah. He said like, he's like, there's not one. He said there's not one that I know about that is not harmful to your body. Well, yeah, because well, I mean, a lot of those aren't even FDA approved. Really? Yeah. Dang. Like it'll say right on there. Like, well, you know how easy it is FDA to get. Approved. If you have enough money, the FDA will approve your anything. Really? Yeah. And it, we, I took a class, and this professor was. Um, it was about mental health, and psychology, and uh, there's prescribed drugs for different uh, mental health issues. But she was super passionate about how bad some of these drugs are for you, mm-hmm. and how they only get through because they have enough money to get through. And oh, okay. If it was by the standards of what is actually laid out and health standards, they would never be approved. But it's about making money. Yeah. And so people will just pass it. A really uh, good show, like a show that I love to watch is I forgot what network it's on, but it really doesn't matter. I mean, you don't have like, you don't have cable, so you can just look it up, but it's called um, Adam Ruins Everything. Oh, I've watched that. Yeah, I love watching that show. Yeah. Because he actually, he went through, um, like, the supplement um, oh, yeah. companies and stuff like that. And, yeah, like, there's so many things that are in supp- supplements that we don't even know. Yeah. So my only question is, like, I don't, I don't take any, I don't even take protein shakes anymore because, um they do carry the protein that causes more of my mouth ulcers. Even oh, though really? Even though it's not milk, it still has mm-hmm. the milk protein that causes that. Yeah. So I just, I've been taking um, like creatine. Well, yeah. I don't take it now, but when I work out, I do. It's mm-hmm. like, is that harmful? Because it's just like a, but then you know, you never know what they put in there as fillers though too. Exactly. So some people will put like a, oh, I don't know. It's just, it's some powder. 
Mm-hmm. And it's not necessarily like bad powder. It's consumable. It's not like, you know, cocaine or anything. But then I was going to ask too, is is our vitamins bad too? Because vitamins are technically a supplement. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Anyways. So yeah, this class is interesting. It makes the three hours a lot more. Oh, and dude, okay. <laughs> Have you had a group project yet? No. Well, they're, not in college, but. They're terrible. So we had a... Um, Get in groups of four, mm-hmm. and this group is your group for the rest of the semester until Ooh. December twenty first. And so the guy I initially picked, I got with. He's cool. He's in the ag industry as well, and we talked before class started and everything. Then this other kid comes in, and you can tell just by the way he looks. <laughs> probably has terrible grades, and doesn't really care. He talks like like he's super immature, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, it's okay, you know. Maybe he's fine group mate as long as he participates in some, you know, the rest of us can take care of it. Is he the same year as you? No, I don't think anyone is anymore. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but um, so we're sitting in lecture and uh, after we get our groups, then he goes through the syllabus and what the course is going to be like. So there's a quiz every week because it's only there's a quiz every class because it's only one class a week. Mm-hmm. You have to have an eye clicker, which is, you know what that is? Yeah. Have to have that. It's just normal stuff. We have break. We have two breaks during the class because it's three hours long. And so he's going through all the requirements, which are just basic college requirements for stuff, especially for a three-hour class. And the kid sitting behind me, who's the one I'm talking about, he's like, oh, what? What? Are you serious? <laughs> First break, he goes, all right, I'm out of here. And he leaves. I'm like, great. <laughs> I, you know, it's probably better if he just left. So I said, I was like, I hope he just leaves like he doesn't come back. I'd rather have him leave now and drop the class than, <laughs> yeah. than be like that, you know, the rest of the year. Because <clears throat> that's the case where it's like, oh, what did we talk about last week? Or what did we just talk <laughs> about before I took our five-minute break? It's like, dude. Anyways, cool class. So I have an art appreciation class, which is super easy. <laughs> and then a uh, communications class, which was interesting because our first topic to write about this week was um, uh, automation replacing jobs. And robots, robots replacing jobs. Oh wow! And there's one article he had us read. It was talking about how AI is coming into the judicial system, hmm. and it's um, running algorithms on people's criminal history to see the likelihood of them repeating the crime that they're there for. Which I think is a terrible idea. A lot of people are repeat offenders, though. What this? Which is right. Mm-hmm. But when we, I think we can talk about this. I guess when yeah. we when we give it to when we start using AI, we're reducing people and crimes to numbers. Yeah, and not yeah. morals. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it doesn't have that human effect. Yeah, it doesn't. I guess like the human touch. So we just we become. I think we will become. We become statistics. And I'm not saying that just should get punished. I think they should get punished. Yeah, but. If it's just statistics, then why worry about it, you know? Yeah. So what do you think? Do you think AI should be in the judicial system? Uh, making, uh, making decisions? No. Yeah. Why not? Um, because it could be setting up way... I don't want to say too... Um, I don't know, how, too harsh of a crime. Right. For something that's not as bad. I don't know. Like, I... I, it's hard to explain. I can't really put it into words like what I'm thinking right now. Right. Yeah. Um, 
I don't know. I think I I think uh, just letting like the human mind make that decision, kind of based on all the facts of what happened uh, yeah. within the crime, within the court, or within like the case and everything. Um, humans are a lot are able to understand a lot more than yeah. say like an AI that just takes all of these facts right and they take what they did and then they just do make a sentence out of that right yeah and it AI can't think morally yeah and it never will and if it does then it's not artificial anymore yeah it doesn't have a conscious mind so and and it, and it might make quote unquote moral decisions but I think if it gets to that point, it's going to be moral decisions based on what it thinks is the most widely accepted moral view. Mm-hmm. And it's going to make moral decisions based on what it thinks the overarching society believes is right. Yeah. But then you can't take that into circumstantial cases, though. Exactly. So, yeah, anyways, AI. It's going to be a, a couple of years going to be the Terminator. <laughs> And take over the world. All right, happiness. What makes you happy? A lot of things make <laughs> me happy. A lot of things. Uh, food. Oh my gosh. You know what? I might go to taco shop or something after this. <laughs> um, California burritos. Yeah. Oh, that was so good. All right, let, let's plug a place right now. Yeah. First of all, screw house at random. Yeah. Agave Azul. It's amazing. So good. The California burrito. I get it every time. It's, yeah, it's, it's, oh. oh, it's just, it's huge. First of all. Yeah. Is it bigger than, um, taco shops? Yeah, I think it is. Taco shop for me is a, a manageable size burrito. It's not, it's oh, not yeah. too big. Cause I, I got the one at Agave Azul for, for lunch one day and, um, I, I got it at 10. I started eating at 11. And, and I can't just sit there and eat. I don't have enough time. So I'm driving equipment and eating. But I got it at 11 and I finished it like at 1. <laughs> I had to eat it like in increments because I would get yeah. full and then go back to, oh, yeah, I had guacamole in my boots, fries <laughs> all over the cab. Oh, it was good. It's like their tortillas. Like, I don't Oh, <laughs> yeah, it's so good. It's amazing. Oh, yeah, that makes me happy food. Um, my wife makes me happy. Um, my job makes me happy. My laptop makes me happy. A lot of things make me happy. Mm-hmm. But I, there's no there's no real direction we're taking this conversation. Do you believe money can buy happiness? Buy it? Yep. It depends because there's two different to me, there's two different types of happiness. There's there's temporary happiness and then there's what I would call joy, which is something that you know. So when you're happy, regardless of time or circumstances, that's joy. Yeah. I don't think money can buy joy. I do think it can buy happiness in the sense of it can buy the things like food makes me happy. Yeah. So in that sense, I can buy that happiness. But I don't think it can buy the the lifelong happiness, joy. Yeah. Like it can't buy like memories and stuff. Right. Yeah. Like good memories is what brings you joy but 
going out getting a new pair of shoes is happiness, right. Tem- temporary happiness. Cause then right, yeah. your shoes end up getting dirty and messed up. You yeah, go exactly. and buy new ones. You poop out your food later. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So yeah, I, did, I think I can buy happiness in the sense of temporary happiness for sure. Do you, do you agree? Yeah, I agree with that. Do you think that happiness is necessary to life? Yeah. Why? Well, if there's no happiness, then I mean, you're kind of just like, I feel like you would fall into a loop of routine and you're not really doing anything to make yourself happy. So I don't know. I feel like all the time you'd be either down, depressed, or sad. Well, yeah, you don't have happiness. You'd have, yeah, yeah. There's, there's not really any neutral. Yeah. You have everything but happiness. And so I feel like happiness throughout the day is kind of what, well, obviously it's what's going to keep the sad times down. Right. If that makes sense. It it does. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, it does. (laughs) Because if you look at like, if you look at your day, you're like, oh, like this happened and work was bad but then you remember those happy times throughout the day, you know, like, Oh, you know, it's a way to cope. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah for it, sure. it doesn't make it seem as bad. Right. Yeah. It's a way to cope for sure. Throughout like the little struggles of the day and stuff like that. Oh, why I always sound weird though is not weird. It's just really amazing to me is that different people, different things make people happy. Mm hmm. And I can't think of one universal thing that makes everyone happy. I don't like, are you talking about one specific thing or it can be specific or general, or general but I, that's the thing. I don't think you can generalize happiness and you can in the sense that everyone at some point is happy, I believe, but there's, there's, you can't like pinpoint on one area right. that where if but, you gave it, if right. everyone had it, they'd all be happy. Right. I can't think of anything that would make everyone happy. Well, also I feel like there's different levels of happiness too. So I feel like one, one thing can make me incredibly happy, but with you, maybe it makes you content. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's true too, man. What makes you happy? A lot of things make me happy. Um, my family, uh, Katie. Um, I mean, just like all the little things that I have throughout my life, like it, just like possessions, like like my laptop, yeah, phone, stuff like that. But also, honestly, I think the biggest thing in life is just like the little memories that I can look back on that are going to make me happy. Yeah. Well, and I, I think too, it's a personality thing. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm generally a, a content person. Yeah. I don't, you know, I'm not, well, we talked about this last time. I think I do stress. I don't really realize it though, but I am. I'm, I'm not easily depressed in a way. 
or I'm not easily like I, I'm easily satisfied with what I have and circumstances. Yeah. So, but some people aren't. And so yeah. they need more, not even more material thing. They just need more maybe interaction, whatever. They need more of what makes them happy to be happy. But for me, it's like, okay, let's take food, for example. If I only get food, this is not true. If I only get food once a week, for example, I'll be content with that portion. But some people, I feel like they they might get food once a week and all they're thinking about while they get that one meal is how much they don't have. Yeah. But I'm the opposite. It's like, I guess more optimistic where it's like, yeah, I was going to say an this optimist is, versus pessimist. Yeah. This is fine here now. Yeah. But some people are like, no, that's just, here's all the things I don't have. They look at the other side and there's circumstances that too. Like it's like, you know, there's not too many times where I am always like, my laptop sucks. I need a new laptop. And there's times where it's like, I wish I had a new laptop. But generally speaking, I'm pretty happy with my laptop now. Yeah. Or when I have. Like you think about it, like at least I have a laptop. Yeah. And it's like <laughs> we were talking at my parents' house. It's like, here's how I would, here's how I would buy it. And here's what I would do to save up for it, yada, yada. But it's like, mm, this one has a couple of years left. So yeah. it's fine now. Do you think people with that attitude and personality are generally more happy than people without that personality? Yeah. Um, what you're talking about, like more like how you think. Yeah. Oh yeah. Not that I'm, you know, any better than anyone, but yeah, because if you're always focusing on the negative in life, then that's the only thing that you're going to be focused on. What if though people focusing on that gives them happiness? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I guess. I mean, I don't know who who that would make happy. It's obviously laughable, (laughs) but, but I think like, okay, like gossip, for example, that's a negative thing. There's there's no way it's not negative. Yeah. And people know, I think people generally know it's not right. And that gives them, I'll be honest. Gossip gives me some sort of fulfillment, yeah, and some sort of happiness. Like it's so, it makes me so happy. Some and it's just so wrong of me. I'm not saying this is right whatsoever, but it gives like makes me happy sometimes to be like, yeah, this person, they weren't doing this right, <laughs> and they sucked at this job, and yada yada yada. Yeah, like when you like find things out and like, yeah, and you know why I think it makes people happy because that's not them, and yeah. that circumstance. Yeah, so. So then get going more, even more deep, more inceptuous. Gossiping makes people happy, which is a negative thing. But the thing within gossiping that makes them happy, which is they're not that person, is a positive thing. So gossiping might make someone happy, but when you get down to the root, it's actually a positive thing making them happy, not a negative thing. Yeah. Wow. Hmm. Deep. So can you think of any negative circumstance that makes someone Hold happy? On. That's uh, go ahead. Sorry. Uh, um, that's actually kind of something that my psych teacher touched on. Ooh, are you taking intro to psych? Yep. So he said, Love that you've probably heard this before, but um, like he asked someone, he's like, who likes going to work? And 
obviously like no one th- this one guy raises his hand and he's How's like, that going to work? No well like he was uh I I forgot that what one guy was. to teach your pet though for sure. He was he was like the um like I don't know. It was pretty funny. He has like the super deep voice. The guy that raised his hand or the teacher? Yeah, the guy that raised his hand. Okay. He's like, so who who likes going to work? And like the guy in the back he goes, I do. <laughs> <laughs> and like, um and then he's like, Well, would you go to work if they didn't pay you? He's like, Oh yeah. He's like, <laughs> What do you do? I think I think he works on a ranch. Yes. Yeah, so I'm the same way, and I know you have a different story to go here, but I'm the same way. I don't think I work as much if I didn't get paid, but I would definitely still go out there and work. Yeah. So basically, he would like, then he just like asked someone like where they work because he wasn't going to, he didn't want to deal with that guy. Yeah. Um, yeah. But he asked like, so he's like, generally, you wouldn't go to work if they didn't pay. Like, if they didn't pay me where I went, oh, oh no. I wouldn't work where you are either <laughs> if they didn't pay me. And, um, yeah, so it's like, um, so you don't like, sorry, I just lost my train of thought. Very good. So it's like, so you wouldn't go to work if, uh, if they didn't pay you, but you go to work to, so you have money, you like having money, so you like going to work. Okay. So onward. <laughs> yeah, sorry. That, like, I kind of like um, what was simplified his, what he was, what was saying. his point. Basically, you look at something negative and it brings out a positive. So what that negative thing really is, is kind of positive, positive in quotes, I feel like, because you don't like, okay, let's take me because you you like going to work. Right. So me, for example, I, you know, I, I could go work somewhere else, but I, I have a job. I don't like it too much, but I have a job because I like to make money and I like to get things with that money that I get that brings me happiness. Yeah. So I go to work to be happy. I see. Yeah. 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 Because when you're looking through it, you go to work to get money to buy things to make me happy, to make you happy. So in the end of it, supposedly it's saying, I like going to work. Yes. Yes. That makes sense. Yeah. People people put up with a lot of things to obtain what makes them happy. Mm-hmm. But it's also... I'm kind of moving away from what you're saying. It also depends on how happy that thing makes you. Yeah. Because like when I worked at TJ Maxx for like two seconds, <laughs> I love earning money. I love s- I'm getting used to spending the money I make. I'm not I love saving money. Yeah, but I didn't and I still don't love money so much that I will put up with things I hate to get that money. Mm hmm. So I quit, and I, when I quit teaching Max, it was because you know I lived my parents. I didn't have to pay for anything, but I quit because it's, it wasn't worth it to be there and be miserable, even though I was getting money. Yeah. So I'd rather not work and not have spending money 
then go somewhere I hate and have spending money. But there's other things in life that I will definitely go to work for, not go to work in the sense of go to a job, but do a do work to get that thing because I like that thing so much. Mm-hmm. So like uh, I think the thing I think of most is I, I enjoy my wife and everything about her uh, and I, I love it when she's happy and she's fulfilled and joyful. But there's things, you know, when you're married that you you have to change some things about yourself. You don't, change, you don't have to change yourself, but so like one thing is, you know, I sometimes I come across to her a lot more I come across to her I could come across her rude. When I genuinely am not being rude, it's just the way I talk sometimes. I I think I talk like my parents do, which is very assertive, very mm-hmm. matter of fact. Um, kind of just this is how it is. Yeah. And so I'll, I'll talk to her that way and I'm not coming across rude whatsoever, but to her I am. So if I want to be happy with my marriage or I want her to be happy, I have to do the hard work of changing how I've talked in my tone of voice for the past 23 years. Mm-hmm. So I'll do that work for that reward and that brings me happiness, but I won't do work I hate for money and it comes down to money is a lot worth a lot less to me than my wife, mm-hmm. which I hope is for every married couple. <laughs> yeah. But does that example make sense? Yeah. I think that's yeah, weird too how, and we're, we're going away from happiness, but people value things a lot differently, even mm-hmm. essential things. People value life differently. Yeah. So I'm, I'm very anti-abortion. Mm-hmm. It's crazy to me that not, not even a majority of people value life the same way. Yeah. And, and not even like there's not like there's different, you know, nuances. It's like, no, one's extreme and one's not ex- one. Or they're two extremes. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. Yeah. That's crazy, man. Yeah. So food makes me happy. That, that's the main, <laughs> that's the main point of this, uh, <laughs> of this topic. There's, I, I want to read a book on happiness now. There's a lot of them too. Is there? Yeah. There's there's a lot of like self-help type happiness oh, books. Yeah. yeah. And there's a lot of psychology books too about, you know. We need to talk more about psychology. It's an interesting topic. It is. Actually, I really like that class. The, the brain is so like, you have a three pound, generally speaking, three pound piece of meat that conducts electricity and just those two elements, essentially, if you make it oversimplify it, make your thoughts, speech. It's crazy, man. They built this computer. Mm-hmm. And obviously, there's to take it to a spiritual level. I don't get how people can think that, you know, this is just all random. Yeah. You know, I, I get people don't believe in certain gods and stuff. That's fine. It's not fine, but that's fine. <laughs> but it's like, how can you believe that this is all just random? Anyways, the brain's interesting. And you know how they say we only access 10% of our brain? Yeah. I think I cracked the code on this one. And I think a lot of people have. It's not as if you'd be way smarter if you can access 100%. I think the other 90% is what's making you breathe right now without thinking about it. That's um, 
I think that's actually what it is. We actually we touched on that a little bit. So I would I am completely satisfied with only having ten percent access to conscious access to my brain. Because think about it, you'd have to speak right now and focus on your heart beating mm-hmm. and your lungs breathing and your eyes focusing. Yeah. And your pupils dilating. Dude. There's no way you can handle all that. Yeah. Um because we talked about two of the different um and I can't think of them right now. I don't know why. Um, is it somatic and autosomatic? Yeah. Where the autosomatic, those are heartbeat, yeah. um, breathing. But also, I, I forgot to ask him this question, but I kind of just thought about it later. Can some of those systems, like autosomatic and somatic, be the same thing so um, because if you think about it breathing blinking those are autosomatic but also they could be somatic because you can start thinking about your breathing you can breathe when you want to you can blink when you want to let's let's do some definitions here the somatic nervous system is a part of the peripheral nervous system associated with the voluntary control of body movements mm-hmm through the skeletal muscles. So that's like my muscles contracting. And mediation of involuntary reflex. Um, oh, this is too long. So, um, yeah, so essentially somatic is what you want what I you want it, to do. So I, I don't think I don't think breathing is autosomatic then. But then also we do it. When we don't even think about it, though. But it's not involuntary. But what about when we're sleeping? But, like, you it's not involuntary in the sense that you can stop it anytime you want, and it won't keep going. Okay. Whereas you cannot control your blood flow whatsoever. Yeah. Or your, your nervous system. You can't control those. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. Okay, going back to happiness. <laughs> Do you think if... In a truly random world, or let's say atheists are 100% and it's truly random, everything is just completely random, do you think there can be happiness in a truly random world? Hmm. I take the position that there cannot be anything of moral value in life if the world is absolutely and truly random. I don't because think about this. Can an AI system be happy? No. Why not? Because it doesn't have like the conscious mind or, and emotions that humans and wh- have. And it's not thinking on a moral level. It's just purely numbers. Mm-hmm. The only thing it can do is communicate to us in what we understand as more of a humanistic or more of a uh, human touch way but it's still just a computer that's crunching numbers. Yeah. So if the universe is truly random, it's just numbers. Hmm. So there can't be any moral value. This is my stance. There can be no morality in a truly random universe. 
Okay, yeah. And this is why I say. Yeah, I agree with that. This is why I say. And we won't get into religion. I'm just saying. I'm talking about atheists right now. There is no, a true atheist does not exist. And they can't, cannot exist. No one, no one lives by an atheistic worldview. And they can't. Because if you're an atheist, you should be just fine with me walking up and just punching you right in the mouth. It should not anger you. It should make you happy. You should feel no emotion at all beyond the fact of feeling pain because something hit something. But mm-hmm. there's no more value to it. I'm not wrong. I'm not right. If you're truly atheist, you should have no problem whatsoever with the Holocaust. Because what's what's what is wrong with with stardust bumping <clears throat> into other stardust? Hmm. If I throw yeah. a rock at the ceiling, is there anything wrong with that? Okay, I see it. Yeah. Isn't that weird? Yeah. Anyway, it's just this little just a little seed in your mind of <laughs> there's something spiritual in the world that exists that has to give life value. Yeah. Because even if we're truly random, we can't even give our own life value. Because value still exists, morality still exists outside of the mathematical realm. Mm-hmm. And funny enough, I've asked every psychology teacher I've had this: Where does morality come from? Is there something that produce? Is there some chemical system that produces it? Um, is it dependent on environmental, physically environmental circumstances? And it is to some degree, like. If it's hot outside, morale might be low. But I'm, I'm talking about like, a, is there certain you know centers of the brain that process just morality, mm-hmm. all that stuff? Every single one said there's nothing that explains where morality comes from from a purely psychological or physical biological explanation. Wow. I asked one teacher this, and he said, "Well, there is one study." that showed they put two monkeys in cages next to each other and they gave just one of them grapes and snacks and treats. And after a while, that monkey that was getting the treats realized that the other monkey was not getting those treats and started giving him some too. But is that morality though? Was that monkey doing that because he said, hey, this is inhumane that my friend's not getting any treats Mm-hmm. So I have to justify what's happening and give him some treats as well. Or <clears throat> is that the biological process of continuing and, and taking care of a community and helping others survive? Because that can be done on a non-moral periscope or non animals do that even though they don't have morals. Mm-hmm. So all I have to say I don't know. There can't be happiness if the world is. All that to say, happiness comes from a supernatural <laughs> something, entity. Yeah. I'll just keep it at that because I don't want to get into religion. That's crazy. We should have some atheists on one time. I know two of them that have a podcast. Interlock. Let's do it. Anyways, um, any other closing remarks on happiness? No. Because this can get incredibly deep. <laughs> <laughs> Um, we have a voicemail. We also have an email and we're going to read this. I want to read it on here. I can't burp. 
<laughs> I'm I. That's a little tiny. I was a Gary burp. <laughs> I turn away from to, from the mic to burp sometimes. And I say, "What am I doing?" There's no rules on this podcast. Um, we had we introduced last week our first mama sode, and my mom absolutely loved it. I don't know if your mom listened at all. She doesn't listen yet, but she said thank you. Yeah, she and it was exactly thirty minutes, mm-hmm. so she loved it, and she sent us an email. So. This is an email we received. And if you want to send us an email, you can send us an email at steelwoolpod. Don't forget the pod at gmail.com, and we will read it on air. She says, I am so excited for these many mama sods, all caps. Why? Because moms are busy, and we have limited time. Things you should know. Mom threats are great when they are made to your kids with the intention to follow through. So you can threaten your kids as long as you actually do what you say you're going to do if they mm-hmm. don't do what you want them to do. If that I, know, any sense. I know some parents that can't do that. <laughs> their kids run oh, that yeah. house. Oh, yeah. Moms work for work their tails off for the brats they birth. True. Good moms do, at least. Moms would, quote, unquote, take out anyone who would attempt to hurt their children. Good moms will. Mm-hmm. My mom would straight up murder someone, like without even <laughs> hesitating. This is cool. Moms just need a hug once in a while. I don't hug my mom enough, uh, and I only got it. And I only got in fights with bullies to defend the weak. Totally worth the suspensions. A bonus you should know: you were not a cute baby, but now you're a very handsome man. <laughs> <laughs> my parents tell me all the time. That I was an ugly, ugly, <laughs> ugly newborn. And they laugh when they say it. They say, yeah, you look like someone just punched you in the face when you came out of the womb. Jeez. Like, so when she says I'm, I wasn't a cute baby, I wasn't a cute newborn. Mm-hmm. By the way, <clears throat> there's not a single newborn baby who looks cute. And when I say newborn, I mean like three-second-old newborn. <laughs> I'm sorry. They're not cute until like maybe a day after. Yeah. They're just so like they their skin is like folded but it's <laughs> flat, you know? They're they have stuff all over them. They're pink and just they look like they've been well they have been in liquid for a long time. They just don't look cute. Now afterwards they look yeah, it's a lot of babies look cute and some some don't. But most <laughs> okay. of them look, look cute after. But there's no I will not I'm telling you this right now. When I have a kid, I'm not going to be like holding it two seconds after it's born and say, this is cute. It's cute. The idea of it's cute and my child is cute. And I love my kid. But in that one moment, I'm going to be so incredibly happy, but I won't. I don't think I'll be able to say this is a cute baby. You know, I don't That might change, though. You never know. It will change like two or three days after. <laughs> and I'm not I'm not at all saying I won't love the kid or, or be happy, whatever. Yeah. And I think I'll be able to be able to look at it and say, this is going to be a cute baby. But right <laughs> there, like when you're holding it, like it has all the fluid on it still. Are you, are you going to kiss it fresh out of the womb? I don't think so. I don't think so. Christina goes, I, she goes, if we have a kid, I'm going to tell them, do not put that thing on my chest until you've wiped it down. But I think, See, that'll, I, I think that'll change. Yeah, I, I feel like people say that now. But once it happens, I'll definitely hold it. For, I I don't know if I'll kiss it though. 
I don't know. You got to be comfortable with what is on that thing. <laughs> and not that you can get sick or anything, but come on. Would you, if you had a baby brother that just came out of the womb, I feel like it's different. Would you kiss it? No. But I feel like if it was like my own child, like, let's say, um, I'm trying to think of a fluid that comes from your body that is similar without being absolutely disgusting. Saliva is not gross enough. Let's say Caitlin was covered in your blood. Would you kiss her still? Yeah. Ah, man. I would too. <laughs> Dang it. Not Caitlin, but my wife. <laughs> I don't know, man. I don't know. Maybe it'll change. I don't know. I'm open, you know. But yeah, Christina, I think it'll change for Christina. She goes, yeah, yeah. Don't, don't let me touch that thing until it um, it's wiped down. Yeah, I feel like that's that's going to change. They say that you should immediately, like, immediately they should have skin-on-skin contact. Oh, really? Yeah. And I know when Matt and Jordan, they had their baby, she was a, she had a really hard labor and stuff. Mm-hmm. And so um, he ended up having to take his shirt off in the in the room and, and hold Connor right away, which was pretty, I was surprised. He hates blood and, and stuff. Like he'll pass out. And I was surprised that he, um, he held it. Because they, they don't really take away the babies right away unless there's an issue with them. Mm-hmm. Anyways, what, why are we getting? Oh, yeah, I was an ugly newborn, <laughs> but I was a cute baby. I'll say that. I don't know. My parents said I looked like an old man. And then my mom said, oh, and Trent, we love you too. Shout out to Trent's mom. <laughs> Thanks, mom. Okay, let's listen to uh, this week's email. What's going on, Steel Wool Podcast? Longtime listener, first-time caller, Anders Jerner here, calling in about the corn seed versus popcorn kernel debate. Essentially, they're the same thing in that they both come from the part of a corn plant called the ear. The reason they look so different is because the variety of corn that they come from is different. Commercially, specific varieties are selected depending on how you want to use the crop. For example, corn for cows, quite a bit different than corn for humans. And the same goes for corn that will be used for popping. Hope that settles it. Thanks, guys. That's interesting. That actually, that cleared a lot for me. Like, that cleared it up. And uh, I, I, I didn't really realize that at first because, like with almonds, there's lots of different varieties. But you know right away that's an almond. Mm-hmm. Whereas with corn kernels that pop, I would have never guessed that was a corn kernel. Yeah. That's weird because the, the one I received one time from uh, was Christina's cousin, we, Tim and I, we had a <laughs> a little uh, farm, farm one time. And those corn, they looked just like a piece of corn. And it was a little fatter and it was pink. But popcorn kernels, they don't look at all the same. No. But that makes sense though. It's a different variety. Yeah. Okay. Who thought of to do that though? Pop it? Yeah. I bet you that it just happened one time. Like just like got so hot or like it that was like left in something. Maybe someone dropped it in a fire mm-hmm. and it just popped. I think that was one of those things where you just discovered it. But like who thought who looked at the tobacco leaf one day? And they're huge. They're big yeah. leaves. Who was like, you know what? We should dry that out or roll it up and smoke it. <laughs> Or maybe it just got caught on fire one day and it smelled good. Maybe. People have this tendency to just inhale smoke anyways. 
I don't know. I think the same thing for marijuana too. Yeah, but I think that was by discovery as well. I think it just got lit on fire one day and someone's like, this isn't too bad. <laughs> this is not too bad. But yeah, popcorn kernels that, ha- that had to be by uh, accident, Acc- accidental discovery. Yeah, ear of corn, dude. Agriculture is so strange. How do they make baby corn? If it's a variety. But like, do you think like, is it just like a mutated piece of corn? To where yeah, it, it is. grows a lot smaller. I mean, I'm not any authority on corn, but I'm <clears> guessing <throat> it is a uh, a um um they essentially I guess this is cloning or GMO, but they repeat the process that made that mutation. Okay, yeah, so, that's, that's what I was thinking. Yeah, that's how that's how like. Uh, my botany class, we learned how, you know, the, the first guy to cross crossbreed plants to make specific plants. So let's keep doing that. You know, do you know that there's that all cows are clones? Dairy cows? Is it because they basically like take that same? Like they're all the same cow. What? This is this is again. I have not no authority on this, but this is my my biology teacher told me. I've also heard this before. I feel like I have heard it before, but they're I've all the same. Like they're obviously not the same cow. They don't share the same consciousness, but they're all genetically identical. Like DNA, and DNA, everything. everything. Yeah, hmm. that's what I've heard, and I've heard that. I think Tim told me this that they all came from. Uh, essentially the same cow. And what, wait, what cow was that again? Was it? This is dairy cows. Dairy, okay. Um, I, I'm pretty sure that cattle, uh, um, beef cattle too, I, I'm pretty sure are the same cow as well. Mm. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. Like there used to be more varieties of cows. But I guess if you find the ones. There's only that, like four now, I think. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. I guess like if you find the ones that meet your specific needs, what's the point of the other ones? We're just going to kill them off then? Well, what else? There's a lot of people do? on earth that don't meet my needs. Start killing them off. <laughs> <laughs> that's what the Holocaust was about. Too soon. <laughs> <laughs> do you know there's people that deny the Holocaust? Yes. Dude, what in the world? What is people wrong are with people? insane. So I talked to our friend that please... I said it was a flat earther. I mm-hmm. didn't say it on air last week. Talked to him today and he said, well, I'm like 50% now. I'm like, dude, how are you even like <laughs> 1% flat earth? But he did bring this up. We got to talk about this one time. The UN flag symbol is the flat earth map. So it has the uh, the uh, Antarctic around the perimeter and it looks just like a flat earther map. The UN flag. But do you think people just modeled it after that? For what though? If, I don't know. Maybe to try and make something out of it. Lumin- I think the Illuminati did it. <sighs> Anyways. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So you want to go first? Or you want me to go first? Um, Mine's a lot more like a discussion. We can do mine first. All right. Go ahead. So we have. We can do more discussion than yours. Uh. 
Trent's got his nice new laptop. Mm-hmm. Mine is six years old. All right. Let's hear it, buddy. Let's. Oh, I can't wait. I'm waiting all week for this. So this is about problems in our justice system, specifically in California. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> so this is about the impacts of AB 109, Prop 47, and Prop 57. All right. <clears throat> what in the world are those things? So, and I got, if you guys, this is actually um, the video that we watched in my corrections class. It's called Impacts of AB 109, Propositions 47 and 57. And the um, YouTube channel connected to that is Los Angeles ADDA. So if you want to check out that um, video, go ahead. (laughs) Uh, This is pretty much where I got all my facts from. So AB 109, it is transferred responsibility for housing and supervision of some sentenced felons to counties. So the the title to it is Public Safety Realignment. And it was effective October 1st, 2011. So basically what AB 109 does, it shifted the responsibilities for housing non-serious, non-violent, non-sexual offenders. So those are called non-non-nons. (laughs) <laughs> That's what they call them. They're not nom nom noms. <laughs> <laughs> so they take those from state prisons and now they're going into county jails. So like permanently or, or mm-hmm. for the sentence? Yeah. Okay. So they're serving instead of going to a state prison, they're in our county county jails now. Our county jail I know nothing about jail systems. Our county jails, I thought they were just to hold people while they're figuring out a sentence for them. I think essentially that that's kind of what it is, but also it's for um, really low level crimes. Um, okay. So crimes. Do you happen to know the average sentence time for county jail sentences? Um. Oh gosh. Um. Off the top of my head, no. I I can't remember. I think we did talk about it though. Asking four years when you're an expert. All right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, what this did was it decreased the prison population, which in turn increases the um, county jail population because they're taking those prisoners, putting them into the county jails. Um, and then because of overcrowding, the low level offenders um, make early parole or early probation for to make room for those prisoners for the people that should have been in prison. Right. The higher, higher level criminals. Yeah. So the lower level, the, the non, 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 non. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so the lower level criminals are getting out of jail back onto the streets where obviously they could reoffend. There was actually, it showed, so it was effective in 2011. There was a, drop in 2011 in 2012 there was a huge increase in crime interesting from those people being um put back out on the streets right and um reoffending so um and it said that it was mainly property crime rates that increased 
and all it, it gets even stupider when it goes down to prop 47 what's a property crime property so like vandalism oh okay, property. okay so if i went and like busted your windows out yeah don't do that yeah <laughs> hey i mean i'm not gonna do anything I, to you because you'd clearly overpower me but <laughs> um i'll actually yeah i'll talk about that too so all right. I, I have a few more things <laughs> so um in turn it actually rise um or violent crimes rise so sorry i'm wording this weird there was a rise in violent crimes um and then if a parolee violated they go back to prison for they would go back to prison for a year now because of ab 109 they go into what is called flash incarceration which they go back for 10 days and then they're back out and we're still talking about just the non non nons um i think this applies to well yeah non non nons um and also the people that were put back out on the streets on parole because of those people because of the because yeah. of the non so oh, okay. so the low level uh oh because they were going into they were trying to make room for okay got yeah it. Got it. so because of overcrowding the really the low low level crimes were put back out on the street on parole got it got so it. so they end up reoffending crime rates go up and they only go to jail for 10 days and then they're back out on the streets on parole hmm. and um i think i had some what is the what is the purpose of that though i sent them just for 10 days i exactly originally how it used to be before this went into place they would go back for a year but even then it's like what you shouldn't for a year what's the, what's the point because these are the people going back for a year they're not non non nons mm-hmm. what what in the world this is yeah. california right yeah this is all in california this is, that's messed up <laughs> um so yeah, so and it was a max of 180 days before this this law or mm-hmm. after it before uh, after this law. So Jeez. it's at least 10 days, a maximum of, uh, of 180 days. What's that? Six months? Yeah. Yeah. About that. Jeez. So and then sorry, I'm just trying to I'm trying to read through um screenshot um so this this one uh documented gang member he was convicted of a whole bunch of different crimes including murder but because his most recent crime was a non-violent crime i forgot um what it was exactly i um but it was it was a non-violent crime because of AB 109, he was put back out on the streets. That's ridiculous. Yeah. Um, sorry, let me just read through this real quick part. Um, so yeah, so his so it said uh, under AB 109, because of his current commitment offense for carrying a concealed dirk or, or a dagger, is defined as non-serious and non-violent under the California Penal Code. So I think that was like part of his um, crime. So con- because it was considered non-serious, non-violent, he um, under AB 109, he was able to be put back out on the streets. Goodness. Yeah. <laughs> 
All right. So, what are the crime rates in California relative to, uh, to other states? Uh, it's actually they're quite a bit higher. Uh, I, don't, I wonder why. <laughs> yeah, and uh, goodness, I'll actually here going going on to Prop Forty Seven. Um, it gets even more ridiculous on like how well I can see how it was passed because of how it was worded mm. and the way that like they word it, it's supposed to be this great thing that protects the community. Right. And you know, um, puts public safety at like the top priority and stuff right. like that. Yeah. So prop 47, this, uh, it's reduced sentences for drug possession and thefts under $950. And the, for what possession you said? Sorry. Uh, drug, drug possession. So this is, uh, it was effective November, November 4th, 2014. Uh, and then this is like supposed to be like the title of it. Safe neighborhood and schools act. So before this thefts under $400 were a misdemeanor thefts from business equals a felony. And then some drug possession uh, for personal use is a felony. So that was before prop 47 took place after prop 47 theft over $950 is a felony. So 950 and under that's a misdemeanor. You'll get a ticket for it. And they labeled this a safe neighborhood. Act. <clears throat> yeah. This is the exact opposite. Exactly. It's ridiculous. <laughs> like if you so do you think they title it that way? So people will vote for it. Yeah. Yeah. The way that they title things, it's misleading. And yeah. so it goes. So 950 and un- and over is a felony for theft. Theft from business under 950 is a misdemeanor. So originally, if you if it was a theft from a business at all, it was a felony. Jeez. But now if it's under $950, it's just a misdemeanor. Drug possession for personal use is a misdemeanor. So if I have a pocket full of meth, I get caught with it. I get it taken away and I get a ticket. Oh my gosh. But isn't there like if with a certain amount it's intent to sell? But if it's for personal use, if you label it as personal use, you it's a misdemeanor. So I've watched Live PD, and this is multiple states, so they don't have the same laws. Mm-hmm. But whenever there's a certain amount, people will say, "This is for myself." They said, "No, it's enough to enough to be labeled as intent to sell." Yeah, I feel like like that's probably case by case. Okay, so I I don't know. They still they, even even if it was personal use. Yeah. The the fact that you can have drugs on you, like high level drugs, like uh, if you're, um, I, th- I think it's if you're a minor and you have like an ounce of weed or less, you could get a ticket for it. It's just a misdemeanor. Um, or sorry, not if well, yeah, if you're under still, even though it's legal yeah. now, yeah. Oh, okay. So if you're under, so sorry, oh, I, I meant okay. that if you're under twenty one. Not Got essentially okay. if you're a minor. If you're under 21 and you have possession of marijuana, I think it's if it's under an ounce. Okay. 
Um, it's a misdemeanor. So, but yeah, basically, um, my, my, uh, corrections professor, he said that if someone that was cracked out of their mind came to your house, busted your windows up, but the damage wasn't over $950, he just has to write them up. Dang. So going back to if I came to your house, busted your windows up, and if it's under $950 in damages, I get a ticket for that. And you as a homeowner who would, let's say, defending yourself, <clears throat> will probably get more repercussions than the person doing the crime would. Yeah. Um, I've, I've always heard I've always heard that whoever wins in a fight, for example, regardless of who starts it, always gets in trouble. Yeah. Um, and I mean, with that one, that's also kind of circumstantial because yeah yeah it's like with that if you're defending yourself if the guy is on the ground and he's unable to fight back but you're still going at him that's when it becomes it no longer is self-defense what if he's doing that i shot him if he's like laying on the ground no or breaking my window i mean that's self-defense well or no hold on i think it's Oh, no, that might be considered just self-defense because I'm trying to think if it's he has like the um, criminal has to be like coming at you with intent to hurt to harm. Mm. Um, yeah, uh, there's a whole bunch of different um, variables that go yeah. into it. Um, but yeah, so like we we're talking about and even if this person did get sentenced to something because that first law you're talking about, it's like what a max of 10 days or what? Uh, oh, sorry, sorry, a minimum of 10 days, max 180. Yeah. Jeez. Um, but also you could, you could, um, what am I? You can have a citizen's arrest. So basically when I've the, always wanted to do that, but no, it's like when the cops show up and yeah. you say that you want this person arrested, a lot of people actually don't do that. A lot of people will say like, just write them up because they know that they're going to be out and now they know where you live. Uh, so what okay. <clears throat> backtracking? So a citizen's arrest though. That's just saying you want them arrested. That's it. Um, I, I haven't looked too much into that, but I think part of it is Okay. Anyways. Um, is like saying that, um, yeah. So, so that was AB one Oh nine. You said that was prop 47, prop 47. Yeah. So, um, the people that go under these misdemeanors, uh, they get released almost immediately. So basically they do like get booked, but then they're out. So, um, Let's see. So yeah, so with this, they're supposed to save money in prison costs uh, to go to rehab and treatment. So not as many people would be going to prison. So like theft from business is it used to be a felony. You go to prison for that. Now, if it's under nine hundred fifty dollars, it's a misdemeanor. So basically, that's supposed to 
keep prison costs down from people not going into prison. Right. For things that they should go to prison for. Right. And jeez. And in that uh they only saw half of of the saving or sorry, half of the savings projected and all the money or the money actually ended up going back into the general fund rather back into the communities. So it was supposed to go into rehab and treatment. That's how it usually works. Yeah. Yeah. So the money ended up not going back into rehab and treatment. Yeah. That's why I personally do not vote for anything that raises taxes, even if it's a good thing Mm -hmm. because it never goes to because yeah, it's, so many things can be misleading. I remember I talked to uh, our pastor one time when they were raising taxes on cigarettes. I was like, shouldn't we as Christians, you know, do that? And he's like, no, because first of all, it's not going to stop smokers. Second of all, that money, you're just giving the government more money to mishandle. Anyways, that's mm-hmm. crazy. Yeah. So, um, there was actually a spike in crime because of this, because criminals knew they just had to keep the theft under $950 and nothing would happen to them. That's great. Okay. So this applies directly to me now because we had last year, we had two people break into our shop and um, the first one, they stole about $3,000 worth of stuff. But how does that work though? If it's multiple people Do each one get sentenced as if they each stole $3,000. I'm not sure with that one. So anyways, they stole a lot of stuff. Yeah. Second time, uh, they broke in and everything, and they didn't steal as much stuff. But the the cop came, and we're like, why is this is happening all over our street where our shop is and just all over the, the county and everything? And he's saying the reason it keeps happening is because these thieves, they get a $200 fine, and that's it. Mm-hmm. He said, so they know with the stuff they steal, they can pay that fine. Yeah, exactly. And that's it. That, that's the only trouble they'll get in. Yeah. So the reason that this keeps happening is because there's no, there's not a harsh enough punishment for what they do. Yeah. It's crazy. There's no serious repercussion to what they're doing. Right. So they're that's just going to keep doing it. California. <laughs> yeah. The first time they, they cut a hole in the side of the shop wall. Dang. Busted down the second wall inside, loaded up the shop truck with a bunch of stuff and then just drove it out the garage. Didn't even try to... I would have a lot more respect for them if they just opened the garage and just rolled <laughs> out. They just busted right through it. If The, the garage door, which is huge, flew yeah. across the yard. Anyways, That's crazy. All right. So, yeah. So, and it was actually a lot of gang members. They knew, they knew about this. So, they tell them, all right, just keep it under $950. Yeah. And you'll be fine. Yeah. Like nothing will happen. And then you can just keep doing that. And nothing's nothing's gonna happen. That's the same. sorry, I took a screenshot of the video. So yeah, so basically like this is just saying so two years after Prop forty seven, addicts walk free with nowhere to go. So essentially that creates a higher homeless population too. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's all over downtown where we live. Exactly. It's crazy. Um, (laughs) 
so basically this is saying this is another screenshot from it um and it it doesn't say who this is from but it says after prop 47 however the formula doesn't work incarceration is unlikely and misdemeanor uh probation is shorter and less restrictive than drug court so many offenders choose it instead Hmm. so it's just it's ridiculous of basically making it they're making it easier for criminals yeah yeah and i i just i honestly like i don't get it (laughs) it's ridiculous all right so the last proposition this is proposition 57 Early release of state prison inmates and tougher rules to get juveniles charged as adults. Uh, it was effective November 8th, 2016. Um, the title of it is goes under Public Safety and Rehabilitation Act. So, um, let me just check the screenshot that I took of this one. All right. So, it eliminated direct filing on juveniles and raised fitness criteria made nonviolent offenders in state prison eligible for parole allows early release of all state prisoners. So before this act took place or the proposition took place, um, the DA charged juveniles as adults based on age and crime. Uh, nonviolent offenses eligible for parole serving fi- um, parole after serving 50% of their entire sentence. Um, credits limited to 50, 15, or 0%. So credits basically, that's um, what you get awarded uh, to be out, to get out earlier. Right. After this took place, um, only a judge can transfer a juvenile to adult court. So in that sense, um, I get it's a little bit better. So because it, it's it's kind of crazy when you see juveniles being um, tried, tried as adults, depending on the crime. Right. Because, um, I mean, if you ever watched, um, what was that? Oh, geez. Uh, uh, when They See Us. Uh, so it's a little documentary about oh yeah Corey so Wise was to a podcast about that. About they got charged with the uh, was it the rape of a woman in Central Park? Yeah, and there was like absolutely zero evidence against them. Yeah, and I think it was only Corey Wise was charged as an adult. That's crazy. And he was put in prison. I think I think he got like a life sentence. That's he crazy. he was um eventually uh, what is it, exonerated or. The movie, the movie's a dramatized version, right? It's not a documentary. Yeah, there, there's like four different parts, I think, to it. Okay. But yeah, no, it's it. Sorry, it's not a documentary. It's more okay. of a movie. Yeah, that's crazy. But yeah, they pretty much they just like acted out and right, stuff. Yeah, like what happened. Um, so yeah. So, and then after that, in nonviolent offenses, eligible for parole after serving primary offense. So. And then I'll, I'll actually get on that uh, in a second. And then now it's unlimited credits for all prisoners. So 
they if they're showing you know good behavior staying out of trouble like that but it's for like it could be for like a serious crime um they're able to get unlimited credits where before that the highest that they could get was 50 percent dang yeah that's okay yeah yep i have lots of thoughts <laughs> once you're done with your presentation <laughs> so do you want to hear this is literally what was on here and i am i don't use this word a lot but i am baffled <laughs> <laughs> uh the crimes or the felonies that are considered non-violent. Oh, let's hear them. I want to hear these. And like, honestly, like I still, I'm like second guessing this because I'm like, am I, am I like rating these right? Because it's insane. Okay. So non-violent felonies, human trafficking involving a minor. What? Uh, stop right there. Hate crimes. That well, Hang on. That first one is non-violent. That is considered nonviolent. Why? For what reason? I don't. By what standard is this nonviolent? Exactly. There was one in here that said that had violent like in the name. <laughs> All right. Okay. And uh, even hate like, crime? so hate crime. I could see how a hate crime is not violent though. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Right. So these are nonviolent felonies. So some of them um, are actually nonviolent. Yeah. Okay. Good. Arson of forest land causing physical injury. That's the yeah. definition of violence. Exactly. That's why I'm like, I don't know if I no, like, I don't know about these because it's crazy. Assault with a deadly weapon on a peace officer. <laughs> so this peace is like a sketch. <clears throat> <laughs> what? Active participation in a street gang, which that okay? Yeah, that's that's understandable because you're not you're just in the gang, right? Okay. <laughs> Exploding destructive device with intent to cause injury. Exploding a bomb. Okay, intent to cause injury. It changes the context some. And then first degree burglary. <clears throat> okay, those are considered nonviolent crimes. Um, Arson that actually injures someone. I bet you that's. I bet you that's labeled nonviolent though, because it's not intent to injure someone. Yeah, that's um, crazy. <clears throat> That is insane. And then I have a screenshot of more of them. Uh-huh. Domestic violence. What? And then she she went on that. She's like, it has violence in the name. Yeah. So this whole video, it's totally against all, all these. of these. Yeah. Which I am too. Yeah. <laughs> um <clears throat> uh, and then so yeah, and then it goes rape, sodomy, oral oral copulation of unconscious person or by the use of date rape drugs. That's insane. Those are all nonviolent. Then what constitutes violence then? Apparently not even violence. <laughs> <laughs> so I feel like what happens is they make laws like that based on very specific and very, very few circumstantial cases. Yeah. And try to apply that to the the entire population. Yeah, I feel like that happens a lot. Mm-hmm. Anyways, I mean, even like when you listen to my favorite murder, a lot of the time these guys get out early. Oh, yeah, they're Heck supposed yeah. to serve a life sentence, but they get out early. And That's crazy. Yeah. So 
going on. So now prisoners can be awarded credits to get uh, early release. So now, yeah, so basically they would have to at least uh, serve like 50%. Now they can just get credits to get early, early release. Wow. So now there's no limit to it. Wow. Um, and then, so yeah, so a person who does 20 burglaries to 20 homes is eligible for release the same time as one person that does one burglary, one burglary to one home. That's essentially like you can get out the same time. What in the world? Um, so with this comes, uh, if you ever heard of Marcy's law, um, so basically it's like the victim's rights. So it, it used to be victims, um, had the right to be at the hearing. Um, and nowhere in prop 57 does it ever state that it never states that the victim can come and be present at the hearing. Now it states um, they may submit a written statement. So, but so that just destroys the whole underlying standard of the judicial system. It's basically, you can barely accuse someone of a crime. Yeah. And you know, it gets you, it gets crazier. So really victims are almost stripped of their rights. That's really, so it'll, I'll get into it, but bottom line, criminals have more rights than the victims. Oh yeah. It's, oh, and yeah. because victims have no right to appeal the decision of the parole board. So they can't appeal a decision if they don't, if they think that it's not harsh enough. Like, could you, could you imagine that? Like, someone commits a crime, it's against you, it's considered nonviolent. And they- It's clearly violent. Yeah. And say, you want this person to be in for life. You don't want them to get out. You don't want them back on the streets because obviously they know who you are. They could come and get you. You could have a restraining order, but that's a piece of paper. Yeah, it is it just to my, them that they break it, not to stop them from Exactly. My uh corrections professor, he said like he was literally he was like, you know, you know how effective a restraining order is? And he just held up a piece of paper. He said, This. That's crazy. And he said, I've I've uh I was actually just on a case where um the uh the, like one of the guys broke in to his baby mama's house and stabbed her. I, I forgot how many times, but stabbed Did her. Did she have death. a restraining order? Yep. She had a restraining order, but he broke into her house and stabbed her. She held a piece of paper to stop it. <laughs> that's not funny. Um, <laughs> that's crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, but inmates do have the right to appeal. The victims don't have the right to appeal, but inmates do. The person being accused of the crime. Is, is, is this still just California? Yes. Okay. I mean, 
all not this that it's not anywhere else, but this is right now we're talking specifically. California. Yeah, this is all specific to California. Okay. <clears throat> so maybe there's some hope out there for the rest of the nation. <laughs> Texas, don't mess around in Texas. <laughs> they have strict laws. They're still they're uh I think they were the state that was known uh to execute like the most recent I worded that really weird. But basically they um did an execution. <clears throat> recently. I, I don't know how recent. Not recent as in but like the most recent one to do. Yeah, the most yeah. recent one to modern day. I just have we'll talk about that. I have lots of opinions on that, <laughs> on the death penalty. I do too. I Katie and I actually talked about that a little bit too. But right, yeah, we'll talk about that after. So in July of 2017, 1,300 inmates were recommended for early release by the Board of Parole. Over 800 were in the LA County. So that was just like a little statistic. Um, yeah. Uh, and then, so this is the little screenshot that I, um, that I just did. <coughs> Nice. Oh. Those little, farts last week sounded so fake. <laughs> they weren't fake. They sound. I was For like, our listeners, they like, weren't fake. They're like comical, like like sound effects. <laughs> <A little poop. laughs> yeah, dude, that was like. I was just, I was so surprised. I listened to it so many times. <laughs> All right, so multiple crimes against multiple victims will be treated the same as a single crime against a single victim. Repeat offenders will be eligible for release after the same period of incarceration as first-time offenders. Um, enhancements for especially... Uh, what the heck? Hold on. Enhancements for especially egregious conduct will be disregarded. Um, and then I already talked about the credits. Um juvenile offenders who commit crimes like murder, rape, and carjacking can only be found unfit by a judge. So, <clears throat> and we actually, we talked about that, this, um, this one guy that was a uh, probation officer. I think he, he's a lot higher level now um, where I think it's like with juveniles, they can't be like convicted. They can be found true. So it's just like, it's different wording, <clears throat> but essentially means the same thing in adult court. Right. Um, and then, so this is actually, this was in the video. It's a little screenshot from it. Um, it's just saying like titles. It says Stanislaus County convicted murderer eligible for parole. That's um, are there any laws against motorboating your grandma? <laughs> uh, Trent's cousin has a story about that. Yeah, maybe that's, we maybe we can get him on here. Oh yeah, talk about those stories. That's that's sick. It's crazy. People are crazy. But I'm sure that guy has antisocial oh, disorder. Yeah. Um, Charles uh. Manson follower Leslie Van Van Hooten uh, determined suitable for parole. Uh, former Manson family member Bruce Davis found suitable for parole. Parole board recommends release for Officer Bugs killer. So those are all headlines. Jeez. Um. This is this is a pretty crazy part. 
So an inmate who has completed an a determinate term of incarceration for a violent felony. So a violent felony and is currently serving a concurrent term for a nonviolent felony offense. So you have your a violent felony and then you also have a nonviolent felony. You're considered a nonviolent offender because of that nonviolent felony. That's ridiculous. This made me upset. So this does not make me happy. <laughs> yeah. All right. Also, an inmate who has completed a determinate or uh, indeterminate term of incarceration. So uh, that's a life sentence and is currently serving a determinate for a nonviolent in prison, uh, in prison offense. So you're in there, you have a life sentence, but while you're in prison, uh, you, yeah, so you commit a felony while you're in prison, you are considered a nonviolent offender. That's how you're able to get out early on parole. Who was trying to get these people out earlier? I, I don't know. I, it uh, baffles me. This is Bernie's America. <laughs> oh, gosh. All right. Go ahead. Um, um, sorry. Uh, I just need to redo some things. Um, but yeah, actually I took a screenshot. <clears throat> so I kind of, I went through, um, and looked at some nonviolent felonies. This was, it was posted on Reddit, but it was a picture of that showing nonviolent felonies. That's too many things. Um, yeah, the, you know what the first one says? What? ADW. So that's assault with a deadly weapon. It's totally not violent. That's that like, is considered oh, nonviolent felonies. Um, <clears throat> so that's why I was like, I don't know, like, can I take their word for it? But then when I did some more searching, I was like, yeah, I can. Jeez. Um, so sorry, let me just read through these. Cause some of these, I, I took screenshots, but they weren't like, ended up like not really being like super important. Um, so proposition 57 will allow criminals convicted of rape, lewd acts against a child, gun, uh, gang gun crimes and human trafficking to be released early from prison. And that is literally from that's an official document. That is an official document. Jeez. So that is from, uh, it was a government website. It wasn't a, it was a dot gov. It wasn't a dot com. So Jeez. it was a real website that had this on there. And um <clears throat> like it literally says so and I, I absolutely I'm with my cousin on this. I hate sex offenders, sexual predators, oh, yeah. rapists. You probably like, are one if you don't. <laughs> yeah. And the fact that and I mean I don't mean to get super brutal or crude with this, but the fact that someone that I know 
say whether it's one of my friends, whether it's a family member, family member can be raped and that person that raped them can be eligible to be released from jail. Mm-hmm. If something happened like that, you want them away for life. Yeah. You want them to rot in jail. But so, no. This uh, are you done with the presentation? Uh, almost. Sorry. Okay, go ahead. Because I want to talk about these what, we, what you think uh, should be the punishment for some of these crimes. So, this is the last one, which basically brought crime. Literally, not basically, literally brought crime into California because criminals are coming to California from out of state because they're hearing about these laws. Um, a criminal who was arrested literally said he was there because of proposition 57. Oh my gosh. When he was asked why he did this crime, he literally, he, in his own words said, because I'm here because of props because of prop 57. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Why? Why does wake up sheeple? Oh Yeah. It's ridiculous. Like you're making it easy for criminals to be criminals. Oh yeah. I bet you I know why. Why? Because I bet you the state makes more money off of Oh, the yeah. many times they have to come into the court. Mhm. Go in and out of jail. I bet you that makes more revenue that way than just sentencing and giving them a sentence. Yep. And having to pay for their housing and stuff. Yep. Well, we pay for that. Well, yeah, but so what do you think? First of all, do you think prison works? Obviously not. Do you what do you think should be the penalty for a <clears throat> I'm going to say rapist, but I'm going to define that broadly as in child molester. Anything like that. Pedophiles who act on their pedophilia and rapists. What do you think their sentence should be? What do you think their, their penalty should be? Life sentence without parole. You, I think they should. I think their sentence should be um, death. Why? I have more of a religious standpoint on that, but because that's what the law of God states, but that's for for rape. That's the only and murder. That's the only true justice that can be served. See, I feel like that's not enough to kill that, them. That's why I am against the death penalty. I'm not against it because it's inhumane. I'm against it because it's not enough. But you're you're approaching that from the from the worldview that this is it. After this, like that's it. Mm-hmm. So I'm. Oh, so you're saying it. As assuming, that, assuming that they're not, I'm assuming most people, I'm just human, I don't know. I'm assuming most people who commit those crimes are not generally, you know, good, righteous folk. Yeah. So eventually they're going to So help. they're getting, they're getting justice on this. They're getting the, the most justice that we as humans can serve. And they are getting sorted out on an even worse level or perhaps better if they repent, but most likely a worse level on their creator's from their creator, but that's the only way to bring justice because why in a sense of rape, you have essentially killed a part of a family. 
Mm-hmm. So why keep that person alive and make that family paid for their food, their housing, their clothing, and some of their comfort? And, and as well as the living memory of what happened to them or their family. See, the only way with that, so I'm still against the death penalty because... In general or for that, for that crime? For crimes such as that. So okay. crimes from like rape to murder, child molestation, all in that, all in that category. Because um, I, I think that they should rot in prison. I think that they should have to sit there for the rest of their lives. And whether it's thinking about what they've done, whether it's, you know, think about, oh, like it just sucks. I'm in here. I'd rather have them rot, die in prison, live out two hells. So the hell they're in prison, and then. But most of them, once most people that commit those crimes, they have a, a <clears throat> antisocial disorder, mm-hmm. and they don't necessarily mind to be in prison. Then let them stay in prison. Let them just rot. Let them die in prison. So my thing, the reason I'm pressing on that is because you're still not, you're not giving them really any meaningful penalty. I mean, eventually they're going to die. So, but so my question is, how does that, how does letting them live in prison? Because none of them rot. They still get fed. I mean, you know what I mean by rot, but they still get fed. They still get clothes. They still get humane treatment. Mm. So how does that how actually does that bring justice? Because also along with that, um, when you're in prison and people know what you're in there for, everyone in prison hates rapists, sexual predators, um, and people that come from that. I would say based on the people that have at Goodwatch Church that have been in prison for 20 plus years. That's not true. The only people they hate, I mean, they don't, might not like them, but the only people they hate are child molesters. That's it. Yeah. Well, because most of them are in there for rape, um, molestation, everything, murder. So sure, they might not like it, but they, the only ones they truly hate are child molesters. That's it. See, but here's what happens with child molesters. I listen to the federal level. So I was in master's commission our, our uh, principal, whatever you want, our head, you know, the guy who ran the program, he was a correctional officer at a federal prison. Um, and he says that they call them chomos there. Child molesters, they go straight to solitary so they don't get beat up. What I was like, dude, just let them, just let them get killed there. Yeah. And there's a guy, he goes to our church. He's He was in prison for 20 years um, and he's, you know, reformed now. He's saved. He's, he's not a criminal anymore. But he was a pretty violent criminal before. And he said, he said that I would always be the first in line when they got there. Mm-hmm. He said the people in, in the jail with me knew that they were not allowed to touch the child molesters until I beat the crap out of them first. Because they hate child molesters, but they don't mind anything else. Maybe the, I, I, this is probably different in like different prisons and stuff because the, my, uh, Corrections professor, 
he was saying once those guys get in there, they're getting beat. And he said it ranges from child molesters to rapists hmm. to sexual predators. But still, letting them live, I don't see how letting them live does anything for for them or for the victims. I don't just so in my opinion, and this is my opinion, mm-hmm. the only true way to care for the victim in that crime is to not murder, is to execute the mm-hmm. person that committed the crime. Because they are comfortable in jail. They might be emotionally uncomfortable, probably not because they're mental disorders, but they are comfortable in jail. And you're making the victim pay for their living. So that's like me saying, you know what, I'm gonna destroy your life and then make you pay for my needs. Mm-hmm. And to me, that's the exact opposite of justice. Okay, yeah, I see where you're coming from. Now, I don't think all crimes deserve death penalty. Yeah. Um, but I don't think in any case, there's very few cases, I th- in my personal opinion, where we, wish we should be sending people to jail and that's it. Mm-hmm. So obviously it doesn't work. So I, I think, let me change what I said about rape. I think if you rape someone, it should be either execution or uh, castration. Um, I agree with that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Murder, I think there's certain levels I think we would call murder that I don't think she gets the death penalty. There, there are because you have um, you have involuntary, voluntary manslaughter, and then you also have second, first degree murder. Yeah, so there's certain murders that I I don't think she gets the death penalty. I don't know what they're called, but I think, you know, like killers, circulars, yeah. I think so, they should all be put yeah. to death. So essentially, like you're you're mainly talking about first degree. So yeah. first degree is premeditated murder. Right. Um, whereas like second degree can be spur of the moment. Right. So I, um, I still think that should get the death penalty. Yeah. Now, and, and this is for me, this is not because I like seeing people die or because I hate these people so much they should die. That's just because I think that's the, that is justice served. Okay. Not. This isn't me saying they should die because they're disgusting people. Mm-hmm. It's just that that sh- that is the most justice that we can serve on a okay yeah on in this side of mm-hmm. life. So I'm not um, saying I'll oh, just kill them because they're worthless. Also, because it kind of brings me to another point where we had this question in my corrections class. Um. So if you have it, it wasn't worded this way, but I'm just going to tell you the basics of the question. Um, you have all the corrections officers, correction officers, um, where they're at, they're all in an air conditioned building, just watching over prisoners and stuff like mm-hmm. that, mm-hmm. where all the prisoners are at. And, but it just includes rapists, child molesters, um, sexual predators and, um, so just people in that nature where they're at, uh, it can reach up to 130 degrees. Would you give them AC? No. Why? Why should I treat them humanely or vouch for them humanely when they obviously did not value the human life that they either took or devalued? Exactly. See, so it's, you know, we, we, we talk about, you know, which, humane conditions for prisoners. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's fine if 
if they were thieves, whatever. But when you devalue human life to murder someone or to rape someone, then you, why should we apply human standards to someone who doesn't believe in them? See, and that's the most cameras part. in there. Let them, let them govern themselves. That see, that's the messed up part because that's what you want to say. That's what you want to do. But with our system, you still have to treat them like they're humans. Right. And as much as you want to like say you're working a case with a child molester, as much as you want to just beat the crap out of the guy, you have to, you have to treat him like a human. And that's, I feel like the hardest part. I think treating like a human is, I'm, I'm taking it to a different, different topic. I'm treating more like morality. I, I think you treat them as a human by giving them a fair trial. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, but not when it comes to punishment. I don't think so. I think essentially speaking, if we're not getting the death penalty, I would be satisfied with throwing them in a pit and let them guard themselves. And I guarantee <laughs> that law would change. I guarantee the law stuff would change <laughs> if you dealt with taxes this way. If you, t- if mm-hmm. there is someone standing at the exit of your employment place of employment, <laughs> Saying, Sorry. first of all, saying, okay, you have your cash that you got pre-tax. Now give me a percentage of that. I definitely think it would change if you, if you went around to people, you spill, <laughs> it would definitely change if you went to someone and said, okay, you got your check, which has not been taxed yet. It's in cash. It's okay. Now give me $30 to pay for air conditioning for child molesters and rapists. You would have a, a revolution. Oh, yeah. Because people aren't going to pay for that. Yeah. So people are people are okay, I think. People are okay giving, are not as outraged with the idea of them getting AC and everything and humane conditions because they don't understand really that they're having to pay for that. Exactly. And if, they, if they had to take out of their own pocket to pay for that, they, we, would, we wouldn't pay for that. Yeah, I wouldn't pay for that. Yeah, no way. I'm saying no. <laughs> so, yeah, I would. I to I believe it's the point where, as it, although it would suck, I would be okay being a correctional officer in those conditions if that's what I had to do because I would want I would endure that level of suffering because I can go home later. I would endure that suffering to make sure they get that for the rest of the No, lives. for where the correction officer correction officers where it was air it was air conditioned. Oh, so the rest of them are air conditioned. Yeah, it's just yeah, the prisoners. Dude, screw those people, man. Exactly. Seriously. Seriously. Give them yeah. a fair trial. Assume they're innocent until proven guilty, all that stuff. But once they're sentenced, if they're proven to be and here's another thing though too. I think that so let's say I've been raped and I say this person should get the death penalty and they are found innocent, I should get the death penalty. The reason we don't do that is okay, because... Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. The reason we don't do that is because the the way... One, we don't believe in afterlife, first of all. So there's a fear of, well, maybe they were accidentally proven innocent, and now you're giving... It happens and it will happen regardless, but 
there's mm-hmm. an afterlife and there's still someone else to be judged by. But two, the reason we don't do that is because, oh, where was I going with that? There, there would be less, there would, there would be probably less than 1% false accusations if the accuser knew they were getting the penalty that they wanted the person to get. Exactly. If they were falsely accusing them. Yeah, because... So like if a woman comes and says, uh, this person, we've had a lot of these cases recently, this yeah. person raped me, they should get the death penalty, and that person is found innocent, that woman should get the death penalty. Because, yeah, because you're going to see, you're going to, I bet, and I, I actually kind of like that because if the person that is actually, and they know that they're falsely accusing, mm-hmm. I bet you'll be able to tell who is falsely accusing by what they want. Oh, that's in the office. It's in the office. Is it? um, uh, when when they uh, whistleblow the, the printing company mm-hmm. and she says uh, that she worked in the prison. She said, whenever we had to deal with inmates, she said, I would t- bring him in and say, what do you think their penalty should be? And if they said, Joe, bring down the swift hammer of justice, <laughs> I knew they were innocent because a guilty conscience doesn't need any comforting. Oh, yeah. And yeah, they said, exactly. And they said, Officer Betsy, we should go easy on them. Then they're most likely guilty. Yep. And so, and I think you would, I, I think there would be less and less wrongful convictions mm-hmm. because no one's going to bring someone to to court or accuse them of something, even if they think, if they remotely think that they could be proven innocent. Mm-hmm. So no one's going to bring them to, to, and if you think that there's, if you, let's say that a woman, a woman was actually raped, but she knows and her attorney knows that there's very, very little evidence to convict them. At least they're going to give them a different sentence that they could take themselves. Yeah. But you're going to have less, for sure, less, um, uh, false accusations. Yeah. That's the same thing. Let's say they are falsely accusing someone and they said, Give them a thousand dollar fine. They should get the thousand dollar fine. It doesn't have to be just you know, give them death. They get death. Yeah. And I think to thieves, I think they should. I don't think they should go to jail, because I think they should repay ten times or at least twice of what they stole. Mm-hmm. So if someone stole a hundred bucks from me, they should pay me back two hundred dollars. Yeah. I don't believe in chopping their hands off or anything. Uh, but prison just doesn't work. Yeah. I don't see it doesn't reform anything. And um, if, why are we sending drug addicts to places where they can still get drugs? Exactly. Um, and especially with Prop 47 or yeah, it's Prop 47 where um, it, they're just misdemeanors. And get people smoking pot, get them out of prison. Like just. Yeah. Yeah. Even, with if, that. They're, even if they're selling just, if they're just selling marijuana, to, who cares? Honestly, now that, it's like, not hurt anyone. <laughs> Well, actually, I think they're doing it, though, because it's stealing government revenue when they're selling pot illegally. That and also, um, and again, this is from my corrections professor because he's a he's a sergeant um, yeah. of the sheriff's office. So um, he like he deals with these he and he's the main person in charge of drugs. Uh-huh. And um, he said that now, uh, now growers are actually getting to be more and more violent than they used to be. 
because they're able to make a lot more money um, yeah. off of their product. Yeah. So now it's a lot higher risk nowadays than what it used to be where right. people were uh, cooking up meth. Yeah. You, there are no meth houses and I, I don't, I can't speak for Stanislaus, but I can speak for Merced. He said there are no meth houses in Merced County, none, because everyone has gone to growing marijuana because what you can grow, uh, and, and make in a year is four or five times what you can, uh, make with cooking up meth. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's so much easier. Yeah. But it's like, okay, if they're just, if they're convicted on growing that, just don't put them in prison. Yeah. I send them somewhere else. Maybe that would help <clears throat> them. Yeah. There's, yeah, there's just, a lot of stuff. Yeah. And like, to like, uh, like, let's say we talked about how, what we would do if someone like, you know, raped our significant others. Mm-hmm. If I, if someone did that to Christina and I went and found them and killed them, which I'd, if they killed Christina, I would probably do to them the mm-hmm. same thing. I should still get the death penalty mm-hmm. because I did not. And I would be fine with that. Cause I don't think I would want to live if, if she's gone, but exactly, but yeah. I'm not saying, Oh no, they still need it's, it's, it's cause it's not because well, I don't think they should get the death penalty because we hate them. It's because it's, a, it's still a justice thing. Mm-hmm. So people that go out and kill someone out of, for the reason that they killed their sniffing other, should still get the death penalty as well because they weren't, they were not doing justice to the person because they did not put them to the justice system. Mm-hmm. So, I guess just to reinforce, I'm not saying that she had the death penalty because I don't like them. Yeah, it's a justice thing for me. Yeah, and then uh, prisons should be. We would save so much more money, and of course, we'll probably get mishandled somewhere else. But oh yeah, <laughs> definitely. And it's funny, and it, and the death penalty too wouldn't really solve overcrowding, because last time I looked at, um, I was wondering <laughs> that I looked up how much of the population, prison population, is certain murder, uh, certain crimes, and if you if you eliminated, if you if you gave execution to rapists and murderers and child molesters and everything, what we we're just talking about, the prisons would still be crowded because mm-hmm. they're not the majority. Last I checked, they're not the majority of prison inmates. Yeah. Anyways, but um, oh dang, what was I just about to say? Um, yes, it's not getting any better in California, though. Oh yeah, definitely not. It's, it'll get worse. I I honestly I hope to see a change in those. And it's like okay, laws ag- against different laws against more laws against murder and stuff. It's not going to help the murder rate because guess what, murder is already illegal. So yeah. what's the what's the point of creating more laws that cost more money to mm-hmm. create these laws? I don't know, it's just all jacked up. That's oh all yeah, that's uh <clears throat> I was watching this documentary and it's on Netflix. I forgot what it's called. Um but it was about I think it was like I am a murderer or something like that. Interesting. And uh, one of these guys was talking about uh, that, like he, like he was on, he 
had the death penalty on him. And he said that people on death row are set are put away like um, in their own prison. Mm-hmm. And he said it is the most peaceful prison. He said there's not like there's nothing like that happens there because mm-hmm. in the end, everyone there knows that they're going to die. Mm-hmm. So they all think what's the point of mm-hmm. all this, you know, like gang violence, um, difference in skin color. They know that they're just going to die. So why are they going to fight? Yeah. And like, what's the use in, you know, all that. Yeah. When it really doesn't even matter. So yeah, he said that it's actually like the most peaceful place. Yeah. So that is just like a little no, yeah. side comment. But something just interesting that yeah. I found. Then there's two, and approaching from a Christian perspective, a lot of Christians are against the death penalty mm-hmm. because they believe, you know, they should have a chance at salvation, for example. What we don't realize is they have more of a chance, historically speaking, there's more of a chance for them to be saved because they got presented the gospel before they were executed. And it still holds doctrinally. I'm sorry, I'm making it spiritual. I was thinking about this. It still holds doctrinally that if they were to truly repent and accept Christ and still get death penalty, then they have their their afterlife. Mm-hmm. And two, I'm a Christian. If I kill someone wrongfully, I'm still going to heaven. But it's still a godly thing for me to get executed because I committed a murder. Mm-hmm. Anyways, I can go on forever about <laughs> about. And then also, I want to go that, back yeah. on. Uh, what we were talking about, like with the rape accusations. Yeah. Because, and I actually, I really agree with that with if the accuser picks the uh, consequence, repercussion, whatever uh, sentence um, and they're found innocent. Yeah. If they're found innocent, uh, they're wrongfully accused. Yeah, because not like looking away from, you know, all the accusations with the politicians uh, and stuff like that. I'm looking at all of the college athletes. Yeah, because there there was a guy uh, I want to say I could be wrong on this. Um, A running back from. I don't know why Oklahoma keeps coming into my head. I don't, but basically it, he was, he was going to go to the NFL. Yeah. He was accused of rape, lost his scholarship. Basically his whole life was lost after that. And then he was found innocent. Mm-hmm. She came out and said something gave this mm-hmm. reason. Like, uh, like she didn't want him to leave or something like that. So yeah, she did that. And he lost his whole future because of that. Yeah. So, and there's been multiple cases like that with athletes in college. I mean, obviously you do have the ones that were rightfully accused. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Well, that's the problem is, and this is going to come out insanely sexist, but there's no other way to state it. The problem is we start out believing any woman who says they've been raped. Yeah. 
Um, and I'm, I'm not saying that they're all lying at all. Oh, but yeah. our first response, if it's a man or a woman or any crime should be, someone comes to you and says, hey, I've been raped. The first response should be, when it comes to the judicial system, the first response should be, prove it to me. Mm-hmm. Because that's the whole, that's the whole judicial, judicial system is innocent until proven guilty. Exactly, yeah. So people, women who, any woman or man who uh, wrongfully accuses someone does it, and it's generally women who do it because they know they're going to be believed. They do it to get back at someone. Mm-hmm. And not yeah. all of them do that. I, I don't even think that's a significant percentage of them. Oh, yeah, no, no, no. So I'm not saying at all that all of them do that, but the ones who do wrongfully accuse do that because they know they're going to be believed over the other person. And that shouldn't be that way. It should be prove it to me that they did that. Mm-hmm. Which is, you know, obviously on a human's perspective, if someone comes to me and, and says that this has happened, I'm not going to say, okay, prove it. Yeah. But when it comes to, all right, let's now, you know, lay out the crime and, and figure out a sentence and everything, then it is, okay, now you need to prove it to me that this actually happened. Yeah. And something that also is kind of crazy is that it's seen in society that men can't be raped. Yes. It's, it's yeah. seen as a general norm mm-hmm. as men are unable to be raped. And, and it is highly unlike, I, I feel like it's a lot less likely for them to be raped. Oh yeah. But that doesn't mean they can't be raped. Yeah. Because I, well, they can be roofied and mm-hmm. rape is sex without consent. And I mean, say, say you have a wife, but you're going out with your friends uh, and a girl roofies your drink and you guys end up having sex, but you didn't consent to it. You don't want to because you have a wife, you love your wife and you yeah. don't want to have that act with another woman. Yeah. I feel like that's just seen as you're just trying to get out of you having an affair. Like that's how a lot of people are going to look at it. Because you're for a man. Yeah, yeah, for for men. For yeah. men, I'm talking about. Yeah. Because you don't want to be caught in and it's the same standard. Affair. That happens to a guy. Okay, let's deal with you emotionally. Let's help you through your trauma, if there was trauma, but eventually prove it. Yeah, and it's so much harder to prove it as, I, I, as a man. But Yeah. I don't think it's hard to prove that it happened. It's just it's hard to get them a right sentence. Yeah. It's hard to act. I, I feel like a vast majority of... Again, I feel, I don't know this, but I feel like a vast majority of men who are raped never get justice because I don't ever hear of, I've never heard of a woman being convicted for raping a man. Exactly. I've never heard I've of never it. heard of that either. And it happens. Yeah. But I think the difference is they're not violent rapes. Mm-hmm. I think that has happened. I'm sure it's happened though. Yeah. I I feel like just about anything has happened. People are crazy. And it's. I think it's blown off too because it's like, oh, well, men like that so... Which yeah, it's seen as it. a societal norm yeah. that men always want that. But that's not always the case. Toxic matriarchy. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's a good conversation. That was and a long conversation. It is. We it got was, deep into that one. And now we're going to take it in a totally different direction, and mine is incredibly well, a lot more shorter than yours. But first, subscribe to our podcast on iTunes <laughs> and Spotify at Still Wool Podcast. Rate and review. You can find this podcast anywhere you get your podcast. 
You can call into the voicemail at 209-250-7527. Leave us a voicemail on what you think about California's judicial system because it seems pretty ridiculous. Mm-hmm. And anything else we talk about. What else? You can email us at stillwellpod at gmail.com. Um, yeah, rate and review on iTunes. Helps out the ratings, obviously, because you're rating and reviewing. Mm-hmm. Even if you leave a bad review, I'd love to read it. Yeah. Go ahead. Constructive criticism. Yeah. Even if you, you know, cuss you us out. Just, you can just rip us. That's yep. fine. Thank you for taking the time to leave a review. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, all right, Trent, have you ever in your life heard of astral projection? Yes. What have you heard about it? Not much. What you've Do you told me. you know what me. it is? Not exactly. But Good, because I'm going to tell you right now what it is. Yeah. This is from, most of this is from Wikipedia and a couple other sites. Um, the other sites are more like stories that I found. Astral projection or astral travel is a term used in esotericism, which is just Western mysticism, to describe an intentional out-of-body experience, or OBE, that assumes the existence of a soul or consciousness called an astral body that is separate from the physical body and capable of traveling outside, outside of it through the universe. So essentially think of um, Doctor Strange. Mm-hmm. Have you seen Doctor Strange? Yeah. So you know when he's uh, his body's sleeping, but he's up reading? That, yeah. That's his astral body, and that that is astral projection. Okay. Or like an endgame, um, if you haven't seen it already, that sucks. But when <laughs> that lady hits Bruce Banner out of his Hulk body, mm-hmm. that's astral projection. Okay. So that's an astral body. That's about it. I'm just kidding. Uh, so there's some history, brief, brief, brief history. The idea of astral travel is ancient and occurs in multiple cultures. Uh, the modern terminology was coined in and promoted by 19th century theosophists. It is sometimes reported in association with dreams and forms of meditation, uh, which are more ways to get into the astral realm. Um, so you, you can get into it through dreams or you can get into it through meditation. Some individuals have reported perceptions similar to descriptions of astral projection that were induced through various hallucinogenic and hypnotic means. So there is, for some quote-unquote astral projections, there is a scientific explanation for what we think is astral projection. Okay. I still believe that it is can happen outside of drugs and psychology. Mm-hmm. Is it almost like, like a lucid dreaming... No, because, so what's because the, in a lucid dream, you're inside the dream. Okay. So this um, is completely out of body. Out, yeah, out of body. So you can see yourself. Okay, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's no scientific evidence that there is a consciousness or soul which is separate from the normal neural activity. Everyone knows that. And astral projection has been characterized as a pseudoscience. I don't know. We'll talk about that. Um, on the other hand, there is some evidence that spontaneous out-of-body experiences are useful for psychotherapy. So it's not recognized by science, but it's used by science. Interesting. Hmm. Astral projection is very common in mystic religions and the New Age. So Eastern um, mysticism, uh, Buddhism, Hindu cultures, they all have their own ways of describing astral projection. But just like in the New Age movement, astral projection is always talked about as being evidence of spiritual advancement. So people use... A lot of these, he's using a lot of religions um, that are mystic. Is all these different practices are to 
advance your spiritual, uh, I don't know, in some circles, advancing your spiritual credentials mm-hmm. uh, or just overall uh, spiritual growth. So um, to be able to have control of your own soul such as that you can choose to leave your body is often seen as evidence of a spiritual awakening. And now we're moving from kind of the, the facts about astral projection into the use of it. Um, one, this is from a website um, called, uh, from this guy named Stephen Bancars. Says for example, he says, for example, Alistair Crowley started an organization called A, weird symbol, A, weird symbol, where mastering the astral plane while outside of your body was one of the requirements for graduating from the first order into the second. In Hinduism, astral projection is one of the siddhis, siddhis or paranormal abilities called manajaya, a spiritual attainment gained through right practice of yoga and meditation. It is believed to have a very ordinary ability. It is believed to be a very ordinary ability that the spiritually developed are able to perform. So this is like, it's something that happens often if you try to do it and you can attain it. Okay. Is what a certain group of people believe. So obviously scientists don't think it's real, that there's explanations as to why people think that's happening. Mm-hmm. And then there's the other side where people will say, no, this is something that you can actually learn to do. So you can learn to lucid dream and lucid dream is an actual thing. Yeah. Um, that's not pseudoscience. It's just you wake up in your dream but you stay in your dream though. Mm. Or as projection is labeled as a pseudoscience, but it's also people report experiencing it. What do you think? Mm. Uh, there's more for me to present, but what do you think? Do you think it's real or do you think it's pseudoscience? I don't know. Uh, I don't I don't know because it's cr- it's pretty crazy to think about it happening though. Yeah, and there's lots of stories about happening. I don't know. I kind I want to hear more before I. Well, the rest of this is more so like the crazy stories of bad stuff that oh, happens. Okay. So I'll talk. I'll talk about it though. So this is about the evil side of uh, astral projection. There are lots of stories of dark entities in the astral plane, um, which is insane and scary. Those who are involved in uh, more new age religions, they refer to these dark entities as tricksters or negative entities. Um, and one website, astralhq.com, describes these enti- entities in one of their articles. And it says this, when you separate your psychosoma also called the astral body, with your physical body, you might draw the attention of spirits or entities who reside in the astral realm. Depending on who you speak to, these demons, which is what the website calls them, look different. That's because they can shapeshift. Unfortunately, these demonic entities can appear to you in a form that you already trust, like your partner or a family member, because they're shapeshifters. Sometimes the demon won't, be, won't want to fight you. They'll instead try to tempt you sexually. Hmm. So they they come to you in a form they trust, and yeah, and it gets worse. 
Another New Age teacher has said, sometimes an entity that normally resides on the astral plane can come to you and stimulate you sexually for the purposes of swiping your energy. These entities can come to you against your will and essentially rape you. If you've ever been stuck in a sleep paralysis state and felt something touching you in your special areas and got aroused even though you were terrified, you were basically being actually raped. So, so wait, is that saying this is a bad side of it? Yeah, is that saying sleep paralysis is a form of No, 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 they're saying if you're if you're sleep paralyzed and you feel like someone is stimulating you sexually, Mm-hmm. and you don't want it, You this is saying you're being actually raped. Oh, okay. But people get sleep paralysis, they don't feel anything. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I don't, that's, if astral projection is real, I 1,000% believe in these. And what, what I just read. Mm-hmm. I don't know, what do you think? <laughs> I'm interested in your opinion. Because this is more so talking about this the crazy side of astral projection that I found, mm-hmm. not necessarily the topic of it. I don't, I don't know because obviously I've never experienced it. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. Like I don't really know what my stance is on it. I think just because I haven't experienced it firsthand, but that, yeah, it's crazy. I don't know. It's, it's just, it's crazy to believe that it's possible. Once I had to read this article real quick. Uh, so I'm looking up what this website is the Ascension glory, which is like a Wikipedia for mystic type things states that sadly it's all too common for human men women and children to be subjected to astral rape during sleep state. That's horrifying. It is. Okay. Now here's a real story and I could give you the the audio of the story too. He, he wrote this, but he was on a podcast um, about, about cults and he was in what he says is a new age cult and he has a story and he's heard lots of other stories about other people literally being raped. And this is his story. He wasn't raped, but this is his story. It's kind of long. So when I was in the new age movement, something I was deeply entrenched in was a practice called lucid dreaming, which is the act of being conscious and aware within your dream. You are essentially awake within your dream and have full control over your own body and mind. One experience I had lucid dreaming seemed so vivid and so ultra real that it surpassed the dozens I had before it. Nothing spectacular was happening. I was just driving in my car in a local plaza by my house, but it seemed far more real than the average lucid dream. I reached a point where I thought to myself, I literally cannot distinguish between this being a lucid dream or real life anymore. How do I know real life isn't just one big dream? Which that in itself is pretty crazy. Yeah. That you're you're so lucid that it's like real life. Onward. After what seemed like a minute later, the car I was driving in the lucid dream started glitching out as my lucid dream became interrupted by an outside force. Pause for effect. I got pulled out of the rooftop of my car and was still in my lucid dream, but I was now 30 feet above the rooftops overlooking my neighborhood. After a few seconds, being appeared, 
a, after a few seconds, a being appeared in front of me with red skin, a red cloak, and black markings on his face. He was standing about 20 feet away from me. He looked like a lizard, and although he looked lizard-like, and although he was virtually humanoid, his jaw structure was different from that of any ordinary human. He stared at me with an eerie, creepy smile on his face for a few seconds before a third eye opened on his forehead, which is closely related to mystic practices and you know the awakening of your th- yeah. third eye. Mm-hmm. I began to feel myself and my consciousness get sucked into his third eye like a vacuum or a vortex, becoming more and more disoriented the closer I got. After I was fully pulled in, things went black and silent for about three seconds. When I tried to open my eyes, I found that I was no longer in my lucid dream. I was lying down in the air four feet over my bed. I sat up and looked around, noticing that my room was being lit up by the light coming from my spirit body. My consciousness felt exactly like it does now, except more sharp and more vivid because it is not being filtered through the physical brain. Nonetheless, I was scared to find myself pulled out of my body, hovering in the air. I tried to fight to get back into my body for the next few minutes by thrusting myself back down into my physical body and trying to wake myself up. I noticed that my astral leg was going in and out of my physical leg, which was lying on the bed, and my consciousness began to flicker almost like a broken light bulb as I began to get closer to settling back into my physical body. I began to pinch the leg of my astral body in hopes that I would wake up but was unable to feel anything. When I finally entered my body, I found myself in a state of sleep paralysis where I was unable to move. A loud buzzing sound was taking place in the middle of my forehead, which I had learned from my research was a precursor to out-of-body experiences. Now I, was, I, now I was about to be pulled out of my body a second time, even though I just fought to get back in. I opened my eyes and was once again a foot over top of my body. After another minute or so of struggling, I settled back into my flesh and was blown away at what I had just experienced. While it's true that I was actively trying to astral project during that season of my life, through study and application of astral projection techniques, here are a few takeaways from what happened to me. The redskin being pulled me out of my body without my consent. I got pulled out a second time against my will after I had fought to get back inside my body. I was doing all the protection techniques taught in the New Age movement for how to guard against unwanted attacks. I even had a Bible that I would sometimes put under my bed and even under my pillows as I naively thought this would help me ward off any dark spirits. I still encountered one who was able to override my lucid dream and pulled me out of my body. And that is a very common story amongst people who are in uh, into astral projection. And they're... The more stories you hear through her history, um, they describe different cultures and different people and different times describe the same dark entities to the point where they're, they're, they're described so much that they're given names and they do certain things across time. That's insane. Yeah. And, oh my, okay, that's, it almost like makes me believe like it kind of well not makes me believe but it kind of brings me to the side of it of it being true yeah hearing just how specific that is like that's yeah it seems like no one can make that up when they they go through these traumatic experiences and they get together and talk about it and they all people start describing the same being 
Yeah, exactly. So it's like, why are people with totally different lives encountering the same thing? Isn't that weird? So there's not much beyond it that's interesting to me, but besides the dark side of that and people being like yeah. astrally raped and everything. Yeah. Um, what's crazy is, so you know how, so you said that he, his physical body was levitating above his bed. No, his, his astral body was. Oh, okay. So his spirit body, which is, is, is the same as your physical body. It's just what you would like a hologram. Yeah. So I, I that thought you was said floating that above his, I thought you said that his physical body was floating and then he was above that. Mm-mm. Um, because I've, I think I've only had one instance of this where I was like, obviously I was sleeping in bed and I don't, this is probably, I want to say four years ago ish, somewhere around there. And I was sleeping in bed and the way that I woke up was absolutely insane. And I seriously thought that I was dropped onto my bed. I felt that a lot of times, but like I don't, the way, because I woke up and I was bouncing on my bed. Like, Interesting. I, it's like, it's like I stood up and then I just fell back. And when I woke up, I was bouncing, but I was just like, it was settling. Maybe you, maybe you jumped off your bed like that. But I don't even just thinking about that yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah. It's freaky. I don't know. Did you feel someone touching you in your special places? No. Okay. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> yeah. No, just like, I don't know. I, it just made me think about that where. Oh, yeah. Like no, it, I, I have, I've had a dream. I wouldn't call it lucid. Oh, yeah. I would call it lucid. Um, I was in a dream for so long and I slowly became, I guess, lucid. I thought it was real life. That's crazy. And I, when I woke up, I I was I ended up sleeping for about I think sixteen hours. Dang. We had just got back from a missions trip, um, so it was different times and everything. And it was over the weekend, so I was able to sleep until I caught up to. But yeah, I slept for like 14, 16 hours straight, and that was my dream for so long that I thought it was real, and it was, it was insane. That's crazy because normally you feel it's, like it's like it's a panicky feeling too. Yeah, because normally you feel like your dreams are like super quick. Yeah, yeah. Like you feel like you've only been asleep for like thirty minutes when really it's been like four or five hours. Yeah, and in this dream, um, I have it written down in a journal because I had some crazy dreams for a while. That ended up, I had one dream where there was an elder of the of our church who. In my dream, I wrote down he was in front of the church. He was going on a church discipline because he did something um, that warranted him stepping down, whatever. That's kind of weird. I wrote it down. One year later to the exact date, this guy was uh, being removed from the ministry because we found out he was an alcoholic. I was like, that's insane. Wow. A year before, uh, when I was having those dreams, like back in 2014, um, I had a dream that our pastor was preaching on a big stage. Behind him was a grand piano. There were stained glass windows. And the people he was preaching to, the congregation was super old. Okay? So I was like, that. I said, yeah, it's just, you know, general 
general looking to stage. Mm-hmm. First time I came here to, I think it was for Caitlin's, uh, it was for Caitlin's choir or something. Or no, it was for a wedding. I said, this is the church that we're going to be end up coming into because I had the same piano, same stage layout, same, same stained glass windows. But I was like, you know what? Maybe it's just, you know, maybe that's not it. And maybe I should just dream about some church. But then we found out, then they approached us about coming here. And then I found out that their congregation was super old. And I was like, this is insane. Whoa. Yeah. And I have it written down in a, a journal and it's weird. And I have it written down too in my, in a, in a note taking app on my, on my computer. But some of the dreams I had, have like actually come true. Um, I actually, I had a question about that on my, um, psychology homework really? where it said like, do you believe that dreams are able to tell you the future? And in my experience, I would have to say, yeah, I don't know. But but, yeah. but none of those, well, I was with none of those was I saying, this is going to happen. Yeah, yeah. For yeah. me, it was just, and the reason I believe that my dream, quote unquote, predicted that is because I wrote it down when I had that dream five years ago now. So there's no way for me to be influenced by, oh, I think this was a dream I had someday earlier. No, it was literally, I wrote that down. Yeah. When I, I this is what I would do. I would, uh, it would be right by my, on my nightstand. I would wake up and just, whatever the dream was, I would write about it until I exhausted the details I could think of. Um, and yeah, I would write about it and then I just put it away. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't think about how this could be true one day. I just write about it. And a lot of, there's hundreds where it was like not even close to ever happening. <laughs> yeah. I yeah, mean, I believe that could they could predict the future. Yeah, I believe deja vu sometimes. Exactly, that's what I was gonna. I believe deja vu up. sometimes is a dream that you actually had of something that will happen later. Because, mm-hmm. um, sometimes, sometimes. yeah, because Katie and I we actually are having way more instances of deja vu than we have ever had before. Like she she tells me all the time. Um, She's like, whoa, like this is deja vu. And she's like, I have never had this much deja vu ever in my life. I've had it to the point where I predicted what happened next in the moment. Like, I don't remember what it was, but it was, I was like, this is weird. And I was like, I somehow remember this happening and it happened. Like someone like dropping a water bottle and it happened. I was like, okay, this is. That's crazy. That's never, it's only happened like once. I don't remember what the situation was, but yeah. So I, because of the dreams I've had have come true, I believe that some deja vu is dreams that you had in the past that actually came true. Mm-hmm. But a lot of the, I think a lot of it too is just suggestibility. So it's like, well, you've been to this place a hundred times and so many things have happened. It's not unlikely for it to repeat itself. Yeah. So. But astral projection, man, I am 100% a believer, and that's crazy. That's crazy that you can do that. That's insane. But if you can read, though, outside of your body while your body's getting rest, I would try to do that. <laughs> Think how much you get to read. You're not going to get tired because your your brain and body won't get tired because they're not mm-hmm. physical bo- brain and body. Yeah. And you could just read for eight hours a night. 
I remember uh you do homework? Yeah, I remember uh Garrett was talking about um like if you get into the sleep pattern, mm-hmm. it I think it's just like thirty minute naps throughout the day. Um throughout I, a whole twenty four hour day. <clears throat> I want inter- at what interval? So like you're asleep for half an hour and then when is the next time you take a nap? Oh, I don't I don't know about that. Okay. Um, but it's just like with taking thirty minute naps, um, you're able to get the amount of sleep that you need, but also you're not wasting time say but, that you do from ten o'clock or whenever you go to sleep, I'm just gonna yeah, take ten o'clock yeah. to seven, eight o'clock. The only problem with that is that your body never gets the rest it needs. Yeah. Because you're you cannot get to stage four sleep in half an hour. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was just saying like to get your body um like I, yeah, so, so you're not that, staying yeah. up days at a time. Einstein it, I know yeah. Einstein's someone else. There are two or three famous scientists. I know Einstein was one of them. They would only sleep for two hours a night. That's for, crazy. For certain amounts of time. Oh, okay. So they would be up for 22 hours a day. That's insane. Yeah. Well, I guess I, I've done that multiple times. <laughs> yeah. But it's like, once you get tired, on Friday night, I got three hours of sleep, and I worked yesterday from Saturday from 5 a.m. I woke up at 4. I woke, worked, worked from 5 a.m. to 3, and I was tired all day. I was falling asleep driving the equipment, <laughs> but anyways, what else you got? This is, this is a long one. This might be our longest perhaps. How long have we been going for? I haven't edited yet. I have not edited it. Edited? Edited. I have not edited it yet. Edited it yet, but it's at two hours and 40 minutes. Dang. Yep. I don't have anything else. I don't either. Find us wherever you get podcasts. Email us at stillwellpod at gmail.com. Leave a voicemail. We're getting more voicemails and emails. Mm-hmm. Let us voicemail. know your thoughts. Yeah, 209 250 7527. Until next time, keep scratching. <laughs>